Hi, and thank you all for being here today. Today, we are, are going to discuss bullying. Now, bullying comes in many different forms. And today, we are going to listen to each of our speakers. And it is such an honor to have each and every one of you here today. Now, at this time, I welcome our Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Lakeisha James. She's the CEO and founder of Designer Events by Lakeisha. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And again, I want to welcome everyone to the global virtual panel of Billing Survivors event. Again, my name is Lake Dr. Lakeisha James, your master of ceremony for the evening. Tonight, we will hear stories from individuals who have been bullied. So many people are being bullied daily and the consequences can be traumatic. Our speakers have chosen to share their stories on this platform. I want everyone to know that we support you. This event is to raise awareness and educate others on the bullying topic. This event will be a, a survivor's resource training. On behalf of Regeline Gigi Sabat and Life Service Center of America, we would like to welcome you. And I would like to introduce our host, Regeline Sabat. She's a motivational keynote speaker, five-time best-selling author, life coach, first-generation Haitian American, the host of Walk With Me podcast on JRQ TV, financial expert and CEO and founder of Life First Service Center of America, LLC, endorsed by Les Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our host, Regeline Sabat. Thank you. Now, now I'd like to introduce our keynote speaker, Christy Lynn. Christy Lynn is the intimacy and relationship coach, independent consultant for pure romance, infertility survivor, speaker, and educator. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our keynote speaker, Christy Lynn. Thank you, Lakeisha. And thank you, Gigi and our sponsors for hosting this incredibly important event. I am so honored to be speaking tonight with my fellow panelists to educate as many people as possible about bullying in an effort to encourage prevention and a potential end to this ongoing issue in our society. Tonight I'm wearing the color blue, which signifies bullying awareness, which I know all too well because I am a victim of bullying. I can recall my earliest memory dating back to when I was in kindergarten. I had just visited my grandmother's house over the weekend and in her backyard, she had a beautiful sugar maple tree. I loved the beautiful orange, red and yellow colors of the leaves on this tree. And I took a few home with me that I wanted to show my teacher at school the next day. I brought the leaves to school in my backpack and while I was in the schoolyard, I unzippered my backpack to admire the leaves. A classmate approached me with her two older sisters and asked what I was looking at. I pulled the leaves out of my bag and began to show them to the girls. I shared that I thought they were beautiful and wanted to bring them to show and tell that day. Before I knew it, the little girl ripped the leaves from my hands, threw them on the ground and proceeded to stomp on them. The leaves were crushed and so was I. And I remember this so vividly. Tears were streaming down my face and I recall the anger and humiliation at such a young age I felt after this incident. Little did I know that this was a victim. I was a victim. And this encounter was one of many that I would endure throughout the course of my adolescence, teen and adult years. While this was the first, it sure was not the worst. To give you some background, I grew up in a single parent home as the eldest of three children. 
So I carried a lot of responsibility that a child probably should have never had to. We didn't have much. My mom struggled to make ends meet after my dad left and we were on public assistance. So I was home alone a lot at an early age, a lot more than I care to remember. And the responsibility of watching my two younger brothers, one of which was disabled, when my grandmother wasn't able to help out was so heavy on me. I attended a local Catholic school on scholarship because the one thing my mother didn't want to compromise was my education. The nuns felt sorry for my mom, but also you can tell that they looked at me a certain way and treated me differently than the others, being more stern, more strict, and less forgiving. Although I received a great education, the children that attended the school had different lives than I did. For one, I was the only student with a single mother. Second, many of the children came from wealthy households and their parents were politicians, doctors, and lawyers. My mom was an aspiring teacher turned food service worker because she couldn't find a job as a teacher. The pivotal turning point was when one of my class moms delivered a Thanksgiving donation basket to our door with her son, who was my classmate. From that moment on, I was labeled the poor kid. The hurtful things that were said to me at school about our financial strain seemed to be only the beginning. Years later in sixth grade, a friend who had become close with me took me aside on the playground during recess because she needed to talk to me. She'd explained that there were a group of boys, about six of them, who created something called the rating list. It was a list of all the girls in the sixth grade that were rated on a scale of one to 10 in certain categories, beauty, intelligence, body, and so on and so forth. My friend broke the news to me that I was the last on the list, rated zero in every single category. And I'll never forget the pain I felt because it's still in my gut today as I tell this story. I wanted to die. Not only was I the poor kid, now I was the fat, ugly, poor kid. The hurtful comments just kept jabbing at me and I didn't have any confidence to stand up for myself. Every morning at the bus stop, I would be so nervous and worked up that I'd be sick to my stomach and end up vomiting before the bus arrived. And it was such a horrible feeling. When I expressed this to my mom, she would contact the school, but nothing would get done. Conveniently, the parents of these bullies were heads of the PTA, donors, people with influence. I begged, I pleaded my mom, send me to public school. She wouldn't budge, no matter how horrible I felt. And I felt alone unheard and defenseless. In high school, I thought it would be a fresh start. Many of the bullies had gone to attend different high schools being that it was private school. My confidence began to build as I met new friends and even started dating, but somehow I was a magnet for bullies. My high school years became just as hard, if not harder, due to the invention of the internet where bullying was taking a different level. My senior year of high school, a website was made about me that contained hurtful comments about my image, my weight, my ethnicity, and even going as far as listing sexually explicit details that were untrue. I immediately went to my mother. She immediately went to the school and they said they could do nothing unless the website was created by one of the computers at school. So the bullies won again. It hurt. 
blow by blow, insult after insult, one mean thing after another. Luckily, I survived kindergarten through 12th grade, which is more than I can say for those who didn't have the strength to take it anymore. Thoughts of suicide had entered my head on several occasions, but God had a different plan for me. I made sure I chose a college that no one else in my high school was going to. It was out of state. And it was there that I gained a different perspective in life. It was there that I discovered how intelligent I am and how truly beautiful I am and how I have so much in store for my life ahead. I began making new friends, getting involved in the campus community. I became confident, more confident than ever before. I was voted in as president of my campus governance association and was, dare I say, popular among students. It was then that I began experiencing a different kind of bullying, not the kind I was used to as a weak, unconfident adolescent. This was different. This bullying was as a result of me being confident and secure. A totally different type of bullying. Being it was a college roommate, things were handled a lot differently. I was an adult. I was able to walk away and make my own decisions that would benefit me and not have to rely on a parent or administrative figures to take action. What I learned was that words can hurt, but I can change the way that I react to them. And I realized that bullies are nothing but insecure people who are hurting deep down inside. And the way to make themselves feel better is to put down other people. After college, it was a long time since I encountered bullying, but the magnetic force was still strong in the workplace. Eight years after graduating college, I started a job where I encountered my first bully in the workplace. It was everything I previously described when characterizing a bully, insecure, uh, deep-rooted mental issues, but this time it was at my job. They saw me as a threat. If I learned one thing, Thing from all my experiences as a bullying victim, it's that it didn't lessen as I got older. I just learned how to recognize it, why it was happening, and manage it differently. At work, they lost their job as a result of their actions, and I did not feel sorry for them. I stayed focused on one thing. Their actions have nothing to do with me. It was about them. Thankfully, Bullying in today's world is a lot less tolerated, especially in the workplace. However, it does still exist. And as a society, we need to recognize it, educate others and fight to bring it to an end. Do I look back and wish that none of it ever happened? Of course, I didn't wanna feel that pain, that suffering and that mental health struggle that robbed me of my peace. However, what happened to me made me strong. It made me the person I am today. The woman who's confident, the woman who's not afraid to shed her truth and show others who she really is and what she stands for. The woman who's able to love her husband, her children, and herself. The woman who trusts and believes in God and all he has in store for her. The woman who's brave enough to educate women over the last 15 years about sexual health and taboo topics that bullies would have targeted at the forefront and not afraid to speak about it. I'm a woman who's unafraid and unapologetic about who I have become. 
So as I wrap up, I'm here with you today, not only to just share these few encounters I have endured, but I stand with you to say that enough is enough. Don't be afraid to stand in your light and do what you need to do to protect yourself, your family, and keep bullies way more than six feet apart from you. Be confident, be bold, be yourself. Know that your circumstances do not define who you are or what the future holds for you. And at the end of the day, words can hurt, but you believe about yourself and how you choose to react is the key to fighting against a bully. And if you don't have the courage to believe in yourself and that God gives you strength to endure these hard times to build you up and make you stronger, myself and the speakers of this panel will believe in you until you can believe in yourself. As a mom of six-year-old twins, I have open discussions with my children about bullying and I will fight for them. I will build them up so no one can break them down. And if talking to people all over the globe about my experience can help one single person know that they should not take people's words and actions into consideration when they're not positive, then we have a lot of work to do. I encourage you, if you're a parent, an educator, or work with children in some capacity to be proactive about educating them about bullying prevention and mm -hmm. intervene if you, you see mm -hmm. signs of bullying prevention. Communicate with them, be proactive and engaged in their lives because it's not just a phase and it can have detrimental effects and long-term mental health consequences for all involved. I hope that my story gives you a sense of hope. And if you're being bullied and thinking you do not want to live anymore like I once did, I want you to remember that you're a child of God. He has a plan for you that is much bigger than any bully can make for your life. God bless everyone. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Christy. You have a beautiful soul, Christy. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and transparent and sharing your story. Thank you so much. Our next speaker is John Kavach Jr. Please forgive me if I didn't pronounce your last name correctly. He's an award-winning and international motivational speaker and mastermind leader. John has helped thousands of professionals overcome their challenges and achieve their goals through his four irreparable laws of high performance. John is the founder of Champion Circle Networking Association. He is a national number one best-selling author. John is the mastermind leader of the Habituate Warrior Mastermind and the Global Speakers Mastermind and Masterclass. John helps business owners save thousands of dollars through personalized merchant processing, mastermind methodologies, business consulting, and keynote speaking. Please welcome our next speaker, John Kavach, Jr. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor to speak on this panel. And I've just got a, a few brief stories I'd like to share to help teach and just bring awareness to the possibilities that are for those who have been affected by bullying or those who may be experiencing it right now. And uh, what, what I didn't share in my bio, and thank you for the bio read, what I did not share in my bio is that I was a, a division one college athlete in the sport of track and field. But my entire life, I was body shamed. I was told that I wasn't big enough. I wasn't fast enough. I wasn't strong enough straight to my face because of my demeanor, because of my skin color, because of the school, the upbringing, the type of area that I came from, I would never make it big. Well, that became the fuel 
to my success. Their words ultimately turned into what I ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and midnight snacks because that's what that's what athletes do. They have protein shakes in the middle of the night. Why? Because they need protein. And ultimately, the words, the shaming, that became the minor form of abuse that I received over the course of my career. And in 2012, I found myself competing at the decathlon, which is a 10 event, two days track and field event, getting ready to start my career, pointing down towards training for the Olympic trials, the height of my career, the height of my accomplishments. And I turned and I said, I said, thank you out loud to God. And thank you to all the haters and all the people who did not believe in that in that process. But what's funny about this entire experience is that my attitude changed everything. I know that I was a victim of bullying from coaches, from other athletes, from competitors, from my own teammates. And I know that the words they used were sharp. And you've heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But they do make deposits. And let me share a little bit about that. You see, the other day I had to go and upgrade my iPhone because I reached the, um, the maximum storage limit on my memory of my iPhone. And I'm sure most of you have been there. What do you do when your iPhone is totally full? Well, you go to the storage uh, in your settings and you start deleting old messages, things that you had added or sent to people. You start deleting photos that came through text messages, apps that you're probably not using anymore. Essentially, you have to do an entire dump of deleting things that were not really serving you or things that weren't worth holding on to. And in a way, this reminds me about bullying. This reminds me about the communication that happens in our everyday life, because whether you're a victim of bullying or whether you've experienced bullying, which I don't think anyone goes through life unscathed, just wanted to throw that out there. You're not alone. So many people have experienced or been the, the as, as our keynote speaker just shared, the full um, frontal focus of a bullying attack. But there are also the minor forms of bullying that have, that have been experienced. And when you're offloading all of those uh, uh, unnecessary files, attachments, and even apps in your iPhone, it's because they no longer serve you. And if you think about it, that because that becomes ca casually part of our daily existence because we think that we have the ability to manage all the things that are processed to us. Communication is a huge piece of the pie. If we continue to accept negative and 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 let's call them um, abrasive or hurtful communication, it becomes an entire storage of full unnecessary memory in our bank deposits in what we have. So if you're an iPhone and you're like me, you're always at the end of the month trying to delete those unnecessary files. One more quick story for you to bring this to a close and to kind of help you see what I'm trying to talk about here is that I lived in the Philippines for a couple of years and there's an extremely amazing culture in the Philippines. But one thing I want to share before you learn about this quick story is that when you carry trauma or experience or even you know uh, um, a long-term deposit of these these unserving and hurtful uh, crimes of bullying you end up using some of that for either expression for for release or even just un, you know uh, it's innate to how we communicate well as a survivor of 
verbal abuse and so much more, I carried that with me for so long. And this actually trickled down into my service as I was out in the Philippines. The story goes, we stopped by a friend's house in the Philippines to remind them that we were going to have dinner at their house that night. As they opened the door, their vicious, nasty, foaming at the mouth dog jumped out of the door and started attacking us. They were able to grab the dog, pull it away. And in my lightheartedness, but sarcastic attitude, I secreted the words, hey, you have a really nice dog. I really like that dog. One thing you must know about the Philippines culture is that they do not understand sarcasm like we do in other parts of the world. In fact, if you compliment anything, it means that you want it from them and that they are going to just give it to you. Well, we passed on, we went on our way, we came back later that night and preparing for that door to open with another dog jumping out at us. They opened the door and invited us in. There was no dog. It was very quiet, actually. And as we were sitting there, I also noticed that the children were missing. The children didn't join us for dinner. And I could hear some sort of like whimpering and whining in the corner of the room. I started to look around and I realized that the kids were in the bathroom with the door creaked open, their fingers prying through, and I could see their eyes and they were full of tears. And I started listening deeply before I put the food in my mouth on my fork, reaching up to my mouth and realized something that they just killed their dog and they were feeding it to us as a kind gesture because of the sarcasm that I had used in complimenting the dog that was not so nice. So the use of my sarcasm ended up resulting in the death of their animal. And while this could be silly, while this could be funny, or for all my dog lovers out there, traumatic, I will say that that secreted into every area of my life. I was using sarcasm as a way to protect myself from the bullying that I had received in my younger age. And as a result of all this, I want you to know that you can take action. Communication is such an important piece of everything we do. So if your iPhone storage is full of a bunch of stuff you don't need, that's not serving you, stop filling it with things and allowing that stuff in your life and rather only fill your life with the positive attitudes, the positive relationships and the communities and experiences that were definitely worth living with and not necessarily something you can absolutely part with or delete. That's the kind of stuff that you can do to combat the bullying in your life, to combat the negativity, to forward perpetuate the positivity that you deserve and that others deserve. I'm not saying that sarcasm is the thing that kills. I'm not saying that sarcasm is the cause of, of bullying, but it is a form of communication that perpetuates the issue that we need to be aware of. Choose to surround yourself with communication formats that will absolutely serve your positive nature, your attitudes, and the things that will ultimately lead you to accelerated success. My name is John Kovach Jr. I love this topic and I support and honor each one of you who have been through your abuse and also who have survived and come through this enough to tell the tale and enough to share the principles with others. I honor you. I thank you, Gigi. Thank you so much for having me. This is John Kovach Jr. signing out. Thank you, John. Thank you, John, for sharing your story. I love that. Our next speaker is Nisha Zyla. <clears throat> She's a motivational speaker, award-winning coach, public speaker, entrepreneur, author, and radio personality. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Nila, Nisha Zyla. Hello, and thank you so much for the introduction. I'm so pleased and so touched by um this in very important uh, discussion that we're going to be having on bullying it affects all of us whether you have been through bullying directly or indirectly we have 
been in, in, uh, affected by bullying in some way or form, whether it's been at school, whether it's been uh, at workplace or your home or, or through um, your hobbies, the, it can occur anywhere. And I'm going to take you back to a time when my first experience of bullying took place. See, I grew up in a predominantly white community where there was very few ethnic origin people. And you can, you can imagine in the 1980s, uh, growing up in my hometown in England, Romford, Essex, it was the most toughest of times. See, since the age of five, I got introduced to bullying because of the color of my skin. I couldn't do anything about it, but yet I got persecuted because I look different. I don't know whether you have been somebody who has looked different, been different, but that was me. And that torment drove me so, so painfully. I remember just wanting to hide in the toilets because I was so afraid that the bullies would pull me up against the wall and spit on me and call me names. Or are you packy? Or go back to your own country. Those names dug deep. And at the age of seven, that was my first encounter of depression. I self-harmed. And it was so painful. Over the years, I felt as though, um, I felt as though that my, my situation was just, I felt as life was just treating me in a very dark place, but I wanted out, I wanted the light. I'm speaking up for every single person who's been bullied today because you matter. Today, I've turned that situation around of wanting to feel like I just wanted to hide and be invisible. And today I'm an award-winning coach, a motivational speaker and an actress. And today I stand up for people who have been bullied because it's time to say no. See, if you have a healthy mind, you're not gonna speak ill of others. Eric, there's this poem that I wanna share with you because it's so touching and it's written by Levita Murphy. It says, you are no longer a slave to your appearance. The beauty that's inside of you, what matters. And in order to release it to have to be yourself, no one can't um, be you, only you, only you. God made you special, fearfully, wonderfully made. You are unique and was created and designed with a purpose. So no need for jealousy or envy. Learn how to celebrate you. And that's what's true. Your identity will appear. As God is saying, let me introduce you to you.
And I'm going to leave you with these three points. Have the courage. Speak out and don't hide in silence. Thank you. This is Nisha Zada. And we say no more to bullying. Thank you. Thank you, Nisha. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Our next speaker, Heather Hancock. Heather is a Christ follower, inner healing coach, and cerebral palsy advocate. Please welcome our next speaker, Heather Hancock. You're muted. Okay, let's try that again. <laughs> Uh, thank you for giving me a chance to share my story, DG. I'm honored to be part of the panel today. Um, I was sort of served with a double whammy. I was born very premature and at the age of two um, was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Um, at the time that I was born, all disabled people were put into institutions or special schools and were not a part of society. My parents weren't having any of that. And so I became the first uh, child to be mainstreamed into the school system in the city in which I lived, which was great for my education, but not so great for my social life. Um, early as five, I remember in kindergarten, the phone ringing in the kitchen and um, parents saying to my parents, sorry, Johnny can't play with Heather because he might catch something. Um, next memories I have are grade one, we used to walk six blocks to school, um, grade five boys would follow me home, circle me, push me down and kick me black and blue day in and day out. Um, words, retard, cripple, freak, uh, you name it. I, I don't deserve the air that I breathe. Um, I should have died at birth, I'm, you know, that kind of thing. So that went on for me through kindergarten, straight through grade 12, though it changed a bit in high school. Um, it became more subtle. There were other abuses going on in my life at the same time, which didn't help. Um, so by the age of 14, I was highly suicidal <clears throat> and ready to kill myself. I had it all planned out. And then God, um, I'm going to not tell the whole story, but God sent a singer to my school who was having a concert at a local church. And long story short, one Saturday night in a Pentecostal church, he saved me merely days before I was ready to carry out. So he had other plans for my life, and I'm thankful forever <laughs> that he intervened and literally ran to me because... Once you know the God of the universe loves you, then it doesn't matter what anybody has to say. And so I would like to say my bullying days ended at that point, but they did not. As I grew up, um, I went to nursing school, but I was, um, not, I was allowed to enter under condition that if my CP interfered with my ability to nurse, I would be asked to leave the program. So they were out to get me from the word go. Unfortunately, um, chronic pain set in and I had to quit, which was devastating. Um, 
But one thing that I have done and have always done is find a way. So um, I ended up working as unit clerk for 15 years, but also endured sabotage in the workplace as well. So what I would say to all of you out there that are facing circumstances similar to mine, especially those in the disabled community where we battle the stigmas still that exist and fight to have our voices heard as real people. Um, I would just say this, be yourself, let your voice be heard, tell your stories. You're the only one that has your story to tell. Your story has value. Um, and you never know who you're going to make, who's going to hear your story. And that story is going to be the turning point for them. So um, I just thank you again for this opportunity. That's a very nutshell version. Um, but I will pass it along and give up my mic now. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Heather. You're a brave soul. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And mm -hmm. I salute you. Our next speaker is Sharika Myers, Everyone Voice Matters founder, national speaker, children's book author, and creator of Le Herbie, the mascot. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Sharika Myers. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction, Dr. Lakeisha. And thank you, Gigi, for inviting me on this wonderful panel with such wonderful speakers that you have. Bullying is a topic that's so broad because um, there are so many ways that, that, that you can be bullied. Well, I wasn't physically bullied, but I was mentally bullied. I grew up in a single family household. I was the youngest of five kids and we didn't have the things that a lot of other kids had. We had less than. And on top of that, I grew up with a speech impediment that's called stuttering. It literally used to take me, I feel like forever, just, just to say one word. Um, I was laughed at. I was picked on, I was teased, I was ignored. I even had it to where as though I used to act like I didn't hear, I couldn't hear just so I wouldn't have to respond to someone. And fe feeling that way, I felt like my voice never mattered. You know, I, I walked around the school, I, I felt like a mute, but one particular incident actually changed my life. Um, actually, when I was in middle school, everyone had to do the, um, the, announcements over, over the loudspeaker. And every time it was my turn to do the announcements, I either um, skipped school, you know, I, I made up a reason so that I wouldn't have to go to school because some people in the school knew I stuttered, but not the entire school. But um, just so happened, I went to school and, and, and it was my turn to go read the announcements. So once I got to the office, the, the secretary gave me this long list that she wanted me to read. And I did everything that I could to get out of reading it. I mean, I was disobedient. I was hoping that they would just send me home, but I had to read it. And the only thing, um, when I got on the loudspeaker, the only thing I could say was good morning. My name is Sharika. And so I got off and the entire school heard the papers rattling. You know, um, when I got off, that was the most embarrassing time of my life. I didn't know how I was gonna get through the rest of the day. My mother came, um, came to school and she picked me up. My English teacher used to always tell me to read out loud, but I didn't want to do that because the kid was already laughing and, and picking on me. But that day that I went home, 
I picked up the only thing that we had available, which, which was a book. I picked up a book. My siblings would, would be outside. Nobody knew that, that I was practicing reading out loud. I had this thing where as though I used to open up my mouth and try to talk and nothing would come out. I would be tapping on my leg like, like I, and people really thought I was having a seizure sometimes when, whenever I would try to talk. And so over the years, I would practice reading out loud. And it got to the point where as though when, when I did speak, I started to sound like I read. I talked just like a robot. So people were still laughing and making fun of me. And then, so I slowly started to speed up to talk at a normal pace. But at this point, even though I was talking at a, a normal pace, but as a child, when you're laughed at and teased for so long, it stays with you. It stays with you. So as I grew in life, I only did the bare minimum. I never wanted to do anything whereas though I was speaking in front of people. I mean, everything that I did, it was always behind the scene. I would push everybody else to be successful. And even though I was speaking at a normal pace in my mind, I still thought when I was talking to people that people were still laughing because of all the trauma that I went through as a child. But fast forward um, through my life, I, I put myself in this box. And the only thing that I was familiar with is those four corners. I didn't want to go outside that box. But I ended up having my first grandson. And everybody know when they have kids, we always pray that our kids don't go through the same things that, that we go through. So I gave birth to two kids and I prayed that neither one of my kids stuttered. God blessed me with two kids and neither one of my kids stuttered. But I had my first grandson. And as he started to grow, and his name is Lil Herbert. And as he started to grow, I noticed he was doing the same thing I used to do. He's tap on his legs. He would open up his mouth and that would come out. And at that moment, I felt like I let him down as a grandparent because I knew I felt like he got that from me because people never know. People never really found out where stuttering came from. Some people say it's hereditary. I didn't pass on to my kids, but I felt less of a grandma because I felt like I passed on to my grandson. So when he would talk, I would tell him, just calm down, you know, slow down, you know, things like that. But I knew what he was going through when he would go to school because I went through the same challenges. So one particular day he was talking, he was doing the same thing and he was tapping on his legs and he was opening his mouth and that was coming out and he just stopped and said, granny, I can't say it. And when he said that, I looked at him and I felt as though I was looking at myself in the mirror. And I told him, I said, yes, you can slow down, take your time. And when he said it, I told him, I said, never say that you can't do anything. I walked off in my room and I just cried because I, I knew exactly how he was feeling. And that was a day of, I feel as though it was an awakening for me because that was the day I said, I needed to step out this box that I put myself in for so many years. And how can I help my grandson if I knew that I still was dealing with it on the inside from the outside and looked like I was fine. But, and, and I was in my thirties at this time. On the outside, it looked like I was fine, but in inside, I still did the bare minimum. I still was ashamed. I was, I was so ashamed to even hear myself speak. I never liked, I, just, I never liked my own voice. But I said, how can I help him and all these other kids that's going through being bullied? 
having low self-esteem, lacking self-confidence, if I still was going through it within myself. I went back to school, I got my degree, and that's when I formed my nonprofit, Everyone Voice Matters, because I wanted to be able to help kids like my grandson and all these other kids that's going through, that's being bullied, being laughed at, picked at, low self-esteem, but I had to help myself. I went on, I started writing children books, and I named it after my grandson. It's called Lil Herbie Series Book Collection. And it's basically about a little boy who grew up stuttering. And even though it's named after my grandson, the main character in the book is the child that has been inside of me for so many years that I just decided to birth him and bring him to life. And the whole series is about my life and things I went through stuttering. I, I became a, um, Eric Thomas national speaker. I created the Lil Herbie series, like the book collection. I created my very own Lil Herbie series YouTube channel that teach kids different words, the spelling of the words. And then I created my very own mascot. And he, he looks like my grandson. I created a picture of my grandson, but the Lil Herbie mascot is myself because I wanted kids to, it's not about where you came from and the things that you've been through, but it's all about where, where you can go with determination and perseverance. And I create the mascot because I wanted the kids to have someone physically that they can touch. Because Lil Herbie, which I am Lil Herbie, I came from a single family household. I was youngest of five kids. I was bullied. I was, we had less than a lot of kids had. But I'm here today. I'm standing here today. And I want the kids to see someone physically, Lil Herbie himself, the mascot. If he can do it, they can do it. And I'm here to tell people, it, it doesn't matter what other people say about you, other people think. I want all kids to know that their voice matters too. And if you ever find yourself being around kids that, and you find yourself doing things that you have no business doing, those are the people that you shouldn't be around. And once, once I discovered who I was, who I wanted to be, self-love for, for myself, I feel like I became unstoppable. I'm like, even though now I still trip up over some words, but I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'll get through it. Or, or I'll use another word to, to, to fill it in. But I want all kids to know that be who you are, love who you are. And, and I do understand. I mean, we, we like to say that some people say, well, it don't matter what people say. That's true. I mean, and some people still feel that way, that um, what, what people say, but don't allow what someone has to say about you to determine how you live your life. I waited till I got in my 30s to step out my box. And that's a long time. I feel like I wasted so many years. So I want kids to know that love who you are, be who you are accept who you are. God made every one of us uniquely different, but we're all special and unique in our own special way. And I like, again, I thank Gigi for allowing me on here with you other great speakers. And um, I hope my message helps someone today. Thank you, Sharika. Thank you. I salute you, Sharika. Thank, thank you. you. I love your story. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Our next speaker is Shanetta Makia. She's a philanthropist, advocate, humanitarian, speaker, author, actress, realtor, and entrepreneur. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please, please welcome our next speaker, Shanetta Makia. Good afternoon, kings and queens. And I'm just, thank Gigi, thank you. Listening to these stories this afternoon, I'm, I'm inspired. And just ready to tell you about what God has done in my life. So bullying for me was very different. It started for me in the fifth grade. So from fifth grade until the 10th grade, I was talked about in regards to my weight, my hair, the way that I looked. I shared the dreams that I had of wanting to be an actress, wanting to be a model. And I was told, you are too ugly to do that. I had this dry jerry curl. So just imagine that, you know, back in the day, we had these jerry curls. Well, mine wasn't even wet. It was dry. And so they called me bald Nucci. Um, they told me I was ugly. They told me I wasn't worth it. They told me I had no purpose. So all of these things started building up really, really, really early for me. And I started realizing that I didn't have any word. At least that's what I thought. I believed the lies that the enemy used to attack me. And those things sat in with me. And it realized, what I realized is that I took those incidents and they started developing me in a negative way. So the bullying incidents for me, I was thrown in a creek. I weighed about maybe 105. My bullies were 6'5", 6'3". I'll never forget them. You will never forget your bullies. I promise you. I was the only child. I didn't have sisters and brothers that were protecting me. So my mother always worked. My father was incarcerated. I didn't dress like the other kids. I didn't look like the other kids. Um, it didn't seem like I had any intelligence or smartness because I was very quiet and shy, but I was shut down because everybody already shut me out. And the things that they spoke about me from teachers telling me that, oh, kids will be kids, that's a lie. Sticks and stones will um, not break, will, you know, will hurt you, but not break your bones, that's a lie. Words do hurt. They carry with you. And so the things that people told me to ignore it, I couldn't ignore it. You don't ignore bullying every single day when you're going to school, you're riding the bus, so you're walking to school and somebody is constantly attacking you. You start developing these different shells and you wanna just go into this hole. So I was like a turtle. Can you see a turtle right now? And a turtle, when they're scared, they go into their shell and they shut all the way down and they sit. I was stuck for a minute. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who, what my identity was. I hear everybody talking about, you know, God made us fearfully and wonderfully made, but I didn't know that then. At five and six and seven and eight and nine year old, I didn't know that then. At 10, 11, 12 and 13 and 14, I didn't believe that then. Nobody tapped into poured into me what that actually meant. And a lot of times we're expecting individuals to overcome things that we as adults have not overcome. Bullying carries over with us. So we go from this broken child that was bullied, destroyed and I would say pretty much um, put into a shell in a box. You know, you put you put yourself in a box and it's with all these labels all of it. Can you imagine it? Right now, just think about everything that somebody's ever called. You put a Band-Aid on you for that one. Oh, damn ugly. I can't do that. Oh, you're stupid. You can't do that. Oh, you, you don't look right like everybody else. Oh, you don't speak like everybody else. Just start covering yourself with all these negative words and these images that they have put before you. For the individuals that are being bullied online with the cyberbullying, it's gotten much worse than from when I was in school. And when I was in school, there was no cyberbullying. You know, I could go home once I made it home safely, if I made it home safely, because that was a journey, trying to get home safely, going to school, trying to navigate through the hallways safely, trying to find a teacher that would listen, trying to have somebody that would care. You know, because our parents, as parents, we're going through a lot of school administrators are trying to meet these matrix and trying to teach all these kids. But we forget that one child that is injured and hurt or lost by suicide because of bullying destroys a community. So how did I have to overcome all of these things from the time I was in the fifth grade into the 10th grade when they told me I wasn't going to graduate? Would I have been put out different schools when I was starting to fight and going into different group homes and nobody understood what was going underneath all of the anger? Do you understand what a person is going through? 
We're talking today about survivors of bullying, but I want to talk about some of the individuals that are actually demonstrating the behavior. You heard that there are actually individuals that are hurting on the inside, but I'll go a step further. They are broken. Somebody has broken them. Somebody has bullied them. Somebody has sexually assaulted them. Some individuals actually bully as a way of protection to keep people away from them because they have been so scared to let anybody in because the last time they did, they got broken. So everything that they told me I didn't, I wasn't going to do, I could not do, God has changed around. I wanted to model. I wanted to act. I'm a SAG eligible actress. I'm a model. I train, I coach, I develop. I wanted to go ahead and start my own business. They told me I couldn't do that. But today I'm the CEO and the broker of the PMs of the City Realty. At 42 years old, I look back over my life and I think about my suicide attempt in my mid-20s. And if I had not made it through that attempt, I would not be able to hear to tell you that you belong in every room that you step into. I don't care what you look like. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what they told you. You belong in the room. Yes, dear heart. Yes, king. Yes, queen. I don't care what the background looks like. I don't care what the education looks like. It's not about your titles. It's not about your clothes. It's not about anything else other than what you have to offer. You are valuable. Let me tell you why. Because you're a love because you are peace, because you are creativity. You have something to offer to this world. And when we think about bullying, it's not just taking place in the schools, it's in our homes. You know, we wanna talk about being a better example and how do we change this? How do we eradicate and end bullying? It starts in our homes. It starts with us being better examples. It starts with our communities. You know, these memes that we laugh about, y'all laugh at the memes, don't play games with me, y'all better tell the truth and shame the devil. Y'all laughed at the meme. The one that y'all laughed about, the biggest one was R. Kelly's meme. When he when all this stuff was going on. But let me tell you, that's a broken man that was broken and is going through. So when you think about the memes and just the conversations and things that we laugh about and we attack on social media, that is a person that is hurting. The kids should say, what are those? Talking about the shoes. Let me bring y'all in real quick. Well, those are the shoes that that parent could afford. Those are the shoes that that child is going to school to today. The child that is bullied because of their hygiene, do you understand that they have no running water in their home? The child that is very small that is malnutrition, do you understand that the parents don't have food there or there may not be anybody there? See, the way that we change this conversation on bullying as far as giving the resources is not just telling individuals what to do, but show them how to do it. And how do we show a person how to not bully another one? Be the example. I'm asking everybody today to be the example. I'm asking you to go back and think about the things that were done to you and how it made you feel. Think about your scariest incidents. When somebody made you feel as though you were nothing, you remember it? It's right there, right? It came right back immediately. You didn't forget it. So think about that when you tell somebody to get over it because we never get over the incidents. We heal and we learn how to move forward. And some of us that don't heal, we become broken adults that are still dealing with things from our trauma as our ch as children. So the conversation today is really about how do we end this? How do we overcome it? Because you're gonna hear stories today about so many individuals that have gone through bullying incidents. Bullying can lead to suicide. Bullying is a behavior. It's not a person, it's a behavior that underestimates the lives and the legacy of you. They try to take me out before I started even getting built up. So what I want you to understand about me today is this. I'm a survivor of bullying. I'm a survivor of bully of suicide. I'm a bully buster. I believe that bullying is not okay on any level, which is why I started my nonprofit organization, Empowerment Essence, where we focus on eradicating bullying and eradicating suicide for youth and young adults. It happens as a, a child. It happens as a young adult. It happens as a teen. It happens in the workplace. It happens in the schools. It happens in the church. It happens in our politics. So how do we change this? 
How do we make individuals understand the importance of everybody because we all have something to offer? Again, I ask you to be the example. I ask you to go into your heart. Think about the things that you say make you valuable. And I'm not talking about your status or your money or your degrees or your family or your friends or your trips or your clothes or your shoes. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what you genuinely give somebody. Are you giving hope? Are you giving love? Are you that lifeline? It's time to be the example. It's time to be the difference. So what I want you to know today that every lie that the enemy spoke over you is canceled. Every attack over your life is canceled. I'm telling you, I plead the blood of Jesus over every person that's on the stream and at every person that will hear it. I plead a hedge of protection over our youth, over each and every panelist, each and every participant, because no matter what you're facing today, tomorrow is better. I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to tap out. I need you to tap into your healing. 1-800-273-TALK is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. I don't want to hear that kids are not dying by suicide because of bullying. Bullying is a behavior that can lead to suicide. Our youngest youth are dying by age of seven. It's time for us to take these masks off, to have some real conversations with our youth, to have hold individuals more accountable. We need federal legislation in place because we don't have it right now. All of our states should have bullying policies and procedures in place. And we have to document we have to make sure we tell the story. We have to make sure we are persistent and we have to fight with the vigilance because we all matter. I love you and I want you to live and I don't want you to die in pain. Reach out to me at any time. I'm your Empowered Life Queen, Shanetta Malkia, Queen Gigi. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you to each and every panelist that has been here to share your story today. Please continue to live and do not give up. Amen. Thank you, Shanetta. Thank you, Shanetta. Ooh, honey. I love your passion. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Our next speaker is my sister, Bella Cruz. She's an Amazon number one bestselling author, CEO created to lead, award-winning global speaker and business coach. Please welcome our next speaker, Bella Cruz. Nice to see you again, Bella. Hi, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. Thank you, Dr. Lakeisha, and thank you, Gigi, for having me here today. Uh, so many speakers and so many stories that are similar. I've gone through many of the same stories that our beautiful panelists have already talked about, so I'm not going to get too much into, into it. But I will tell you that I have been bullied uh, from, from my childhood. Uh, into the workplace was very, very difficult. I was uh, bullied in the book and the workplace uh, several times. And it was because I was always a top performer. And it's unfortunate that sometimes, uh, you know, when you perform the way you do, uh, everyone, you know, including your boss turns against you. And uh, mine was very, very painful. And like anyone else's story, you know, I would go and cry in the restroom and, you know, have to pull myself together. Uh, I've always been in front of people, so then I'd have to go and do that. And, um, you know, I've, I've been homeless because someone uh, bullied me by stealing my identity. And that was bullying because they knew who I was and they, they, they took my identity. And for years I, I uh, suffered uh, as a single parent and with my children because someone did that to me. But one of the things that I recognized when that happened was that, and I am, you know, 
one of the things that I did to get through all this was my relationship with God. And he gave me a scripture and it is just an absolute amazing one. And it's Exodus 14, 14. And I tell everyone that is being bullied or, or is going through a scenario to pray this because that scripture says that the Lord will fight for me while I keep silent. And when I finally let go of trying to defend myself, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying if, if justice needs to be served that you do not go and defend yourself by the law. That's not what I'm saying. But when things are out of my control, because you cannot control other people. And I really let go of it and worshiped and claimed that scripture, Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for me while I stay silent. My life started to change. And, you know, peace started becoming part of my life. And of course, you know, studying who I am with a great I am, the creator of the world. So I want to encourage everyone who has been bullied to get into a relationship with God, uh, whoever you serve, but I serve God Almighty, the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And I tell you what, you, your life will change. So there is always a reason for what we go through. And since then, I've helped many other people. Just yesterday, a friend called me and told me her her granddaughter was being bullied just yesterday. Yesterday, she got stabbed with a pencil in her hand. Can you imagine? So all of this goes on all the time. And it is, you know, we just need to protect our children and, and protect ourselves and always remember that what we go through always helps others. And for many years, I didn't want to share my story about being homeless because I was embarrassed, especially because of what has happened, you know, why it happened. Somebody that I actually knew was the, was the cause. And um, when I started sharing it, people started telling me their stories. And so when I went through it through the workplace, one of the things that I did was I wrote a book for leaders on how not to be that leader. And that is one of my books that I just came out with. Please fire me. I can't stand my boss. How to avoid that leader. And, you know, uh, you just help people. You help people when you go through things and your healing begins. So I encourage you, if you have been bullied, to get into a relationship with the one that you serve and believe in and that the great I am and help others get through what you've been through. And that's what I wanted to share today. Thank you, Bella. Thank you, Bella, for sharing your story. Our next speaker is Dr. Seth Buxey. Dr. Seth is a social behavioral mentor and addiction specialist. He is an author, speaker, TV, radio, and social media personality, and respected pioneer in addiction consulting. He delivers life-changing material and personal expertise to shift clients towards a more fulfilling future. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Dr. Seth. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Lakeisha in the house. Doctor, beautiful. Thanks, Gigi. Thanks for having me again. Um, <clears throat> thank you to everyone and the, and the great speakers uh, we've heard already. I mean, I think each each one of you have touched me in, in, in such a way that um, I guess only a, um, a survivor like us can understand. Um, I mean, Nisha's story was particularly um 
relatable for me one because she's in the UK like I am and we're, we're you know we're, we're of the same kind of race so I could I, I could definitely resonate with a lot of things that um, she said but everyone has been amazing but the first thing I want to start with saying is <clears throat> I'm not angry I'm not angry anymore I'm not resentful anymore I'm I'm not sad anymore um, acceptance has been the answer to all my problems today. Um, and until I can accept these perpetrators, these bullies, um, I would get no serenity. I would get no peace. Um, once I started to accept what happened, and I don't mean agree with what happened, I don't mean celebrate and oh, pop up the bottle of champagne because of what I went through or any of us went through, but until I could accept this, I could get no serenity whatsoever. I want to read a little... Uh, little paragraph of a book that I wrote called Out of the Madness, Message of Hope. And <clears throat> my main bullying experiences happened from the age of 11 to 17 for six years every day, really. Um, I was I was bullied and abused in, in, in every way you could think of, unimaginable, um, racially, physically, emotionally, mentally, sexually at times. No one should go for that, um, especially not a young child at 11 years old. But um, I went through that and I'm here to tell you the story. So I, hence we are the survivors. Um, I won't say the name of the school. Um, so blank, um, it was a living hell. This is what I wrote in my book. It was a battery farm of child abuse where cruelty wasn't just a byproduct of the way of the school, of the way the school was run. It was the way the school was run. Parents were effectively paying thousands of pounds a year to have their children traumatized for life. Due to the mafia-like code of a murder, which held that reporting abuse was somehow worse than inflicting it. <clears throat> I mean, I've got a whole chapter on this. Um, just reading that little paragraph has, has, has got me thinking about the days and the moments that I went through. Um, I did a I did a talk recently with Gigi, again grateful uh, about addiction, where I didn't really talk about any war stories, and I I I wasn't really planning to do that today, but I think it might be relevant um, to say a few things that I that I did go through, not because I want to really talk about it, but because I want to give people a message of hope that you can come out of it. Um, uh, and you can have a very good life from it. And, and I'm grateful. I have no regrets. I'm grateful for absolutely everything because what I've been through has given me the opportunity today and many days to have a platform like this to share my experience um, of, of bullying. And it's not nice. Um, I went through hell. I, I, and that smile is not a, a laugh of happiness. It's, it's just like, wow. When I think back, and I, and I remember growing up and a few years ago before I came into recovery, I said to myself that if either of my children went through 1% of what I went through, um, you know, I would take the law in my own hands. It's not like that today. But I wanted to say that as a point, 1% of what I went through. Um, <clears throat> everything that I experienced eventually turned me to addiction and alcohol. That's why Dr. Gabor Mate says, it's not why the addiction, it's why the pain, why the hurt, why the trauma. 
every client that I work with experiences some kind of trauma, just like I did. I came out of a 33-year addiction. Only once I came out, I started working on myself and addressing the issues that I went through. Members of the panel, ladies and gentlemen watching, I experienced bullying every day of my life for six years from the age of 11. I was, I was beaten daily. Um, I was racially abused daily, um, stripped, hanged out of windows from just my pants, baseball bats across my knees. Um, and I experienced the same when I went into the, the junior army, same thing. And it was all because of the color of my skin, because I was different. Um, I went to predominantly white school. Uh, the British army at that time was very racist, um, very homophobic, um, and it—it—it was—it was—it um, it was terrible. It, it was, and I don't know how I survived. I really don't know how I got through it. Um, I mean, the humiliation that comes with it is probably was probably worse than the actual acts itself in a funny kind of way. Um, the way others looked at you. And in the 80s, as I said in my paragraph that I read, there was a massive code of silence. You don't say anything. You keep it in yourself. If you say anything, you get it worse. Um, and the teachers knew, the headmasters knew, but it was in their interest that we didn't say anything because the store would stay open. Uh, but at that time, you know, you, you feel embarrassed. Um, I wouldn't say I blame myself, but it was, it, it was a sense of that, I guess. Uh, but you feel embarrassed, you feel humiliated. You don't want people to know this thing about man up. I'm so happy we have a few men on the panel as well because not, not enough men come out and talk about this because it happens to everyone, whatever sex you are, it happens to everyone. Um, when I speak to my wife and my children, uh, they can't believe what I've been through. Uh, but what's beautiful is that I'm here today to share a story that you can come out, uh, come out of anything, especially this. Um, we are survivors, right? Um, and. I look at two sides of everything. Um, there's no good without bad. There's no predator uh, without a prey. There's no prey without a predator. We are here today to look at the opposite of what happened to us. How has it served us today? And the way it served us today is by giving a message of hope to people that you can come out of this, to give a message of hope to people that there is a life after bullying. There is a life. It's not easy. You might have to work through it, go through some processes, have some tools. Um, have support around you. I wish I could have told my parents, but because of that code of silence and scared to, I didn't, I endured it. Uh, but I'm just so happy that I didn't go down the suicide route, even though I have attempted it many, many years later. Uh, but alcohol and, and, and drugs um, saved me in, in, in a bizarre kind of way. That was my strategy to cope uh, with what I was going through on a daily basis. I've got to emphasize this, it was every day for six years. Um, it was tough. It was tough. Um, just quickly, I want to finish on to, to give you the extent of how tough it was. Um, a few years ago, I worked in a lifers prison as a drug and alcohol psychiatrist, a psychologist. Um, it was a lifers prison with people who'd done some horrific crimes. And I remember going around the wings <clears throat> in the prison thinking, wow, they've got it easy. That's how tough my school was. Thank you very much for listening to me. I'm Dr. Sat Bugsy. Gigi, bless you as always. Dr. Lakeisha, thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Saf. There is a life after bullying. Well said.
Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. It's always a pleasure to hear your stories. Our next speaker is Pamela Bolido. Please forgive me if I butcher your last name. She is an Air Force wife and mom to three amazing boys. She's also an entrepreneur and advocate. Please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome our next speaker, Pamela Bolido. Thank you. Um, uh, so happy to be here. Thank you, Gigi and uh, Dr. Lakeisha. This panel has been um, very inspiring. Um, so for me, um, I'm going to go down a, a maybe a different route. Uh, for me, I'm going to start with, this is what I heard when I was little. What's wrong with your face? And so people might look at me now and be like, what? Um, I've had a lot of surgeries up in, in my adulthood. Um, and I chose to do that because I, I was bullied when I was little. Um, I was born with a cleft lip. Um, being born with something um, you have no control over. You know, I was born with a scar in my face and it made me look different. It was much more apparent when I was young. Um, but can you imagine, you know, that little girl who loved to, to wear dresses and play with Barbies and, you know, wanted to be friends with everyone, um, but being shunned and laughed at and told uh, she wasn't welcome. And, um, you know, and most of all, what's wrong with your face? And uh, so, you know, I would go home and look in the mirror and um, cry and wonder, you know, why, why me? Why am I born like this? Why does nobody else around me have this? Um, so that definitely was uh, a cornerstone to, to growing up with very low self-esteem. And, um, but I'll tell you what, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the ladies and, and men that I've heard speak today will say, you know, they, they never wish this upon anybody to, to be bullied, but you take that and you transform it into your superpower. And that's what I did. I was so determined when I was young to make something of myself, um, to prove that I was just as great as everybody else around me. And, um, you know, I, um, and I did some funny things, you know, I think back and I'm like, you know, it's funny because I had a scar in my face. Why would I do this? But I, I wanted to be the first female boxer. And this is East Canada. So people are like, why would you want to do, <laughs> do that if you already had something on your face? I don't know. But I was determined. And uh, um, and then growing up, too, it's, uh, you know, I, I grew up. I actually went into the, the beauty industry because I wanted to make other women feel beautiful every single day. And I did that for 20 years. Um, and now, you know, I created a company and a, and a nonprofit that helps to, to support women and make them shine and stand on a pedestal and be proud of the women that they are. Um, and that's called Mission Wonder Woman uh, and Women Who Do Wonders. Um, it kind of represents my whole life. Um, so I took feeling horrible when I was young and took all those negative comments and um, I made I made that into something so that I could help other people. And I sit, I currently sit on the advisory council at Smile Train um, so that I can talk to young girls all the time if they need mentorship um, to show them how beautiful they are. Um, and then I did something crazy last year. I at 40, I'm 43, I'm only five foot one. Um, and I, when I was younger, I used to look at, you know, the pageants on TV, you know, Miss America and all these things and think, oh my gosh, on that one, I'm too short, but two, I have a cleft and there's no girls up there with clefts. 
So last year I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do a pageant. So I competed in Mrs. Florida and, <laughs> and I did that for all my clefties out there and uh, I didn't win, but I did get second runner up. So I feel like a winner. Um, but my, my, the whole point of me coming on here is just to say, take it's negativity. It's really hard to swallow. Um, but you take that and you take it and you walk away a super man, a superwoman, whatever you want to call it, um, just transform that and help other people. I mean, that's the best you can do. Um, I have four kids and, um, you know, I teach them every single day, the importance of uplifting others. Um, and it start, it really does start in the home. Um, so yeah, I just, uh, I'm super proud of this panel. I'm blessed to be here. Um, and I want everyone to take their superpowers and just uh, keep uplifting, uplifting others. And, uh, and Shanetta, is it Shanetta? Shanita or Shanetta who spoke earlier? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to get in touch with her. She, she fired me up today. So um, just blessed for everyone that's here. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pamela. And you are a winner. Yes. And you are beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for that. Our next speaker is Erica Castro. She's a teacher at MUSD, domestic violence, sexual assault, and su suicide attempt survivor and advocate. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my sister, Erica Castro. It's always a nice seeing you, Erica. Welcome. Hi. Um, for me, I, I grew up in an abusive home, and so bullying was almost normal, almost expected. Um, I suffered from verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. So when I went to school and I was bullied, um, it was normal. I didn't know how to defend myself. I didn't know how to stand up for myself. And, um, but there was a moment that really impacted me, that really like really kind of put the plan out for what happened to me. You see in the seventh grade, um, I was voted ugliest girl. Uh, our teacher, he didn't know he was, we were in theater arts and you know, the kids planned it perfect. He was put outside and the kids called me up on the podium and they're like yelling at the back of the room, speech, speech. And I had a tough skin, even though downside I was breaking, I wanted to cry, but I would not let them see me cry. I had learned that early in my abuse. So I stood up there and I said, ha, huh, thank you all for noticing. But inside I was dying. And that moment where I was voted ugliest girl really impacted me to the point where I didn't feel I was lovable. I didn't feel that I was accepted. I didn't feel that I could have anything good in my life. You know, I was, uh, my mother died when I was five and my father was an alcoholic. So I was dealing with abuse for a very long time. I was sexually abused, you know, so I felt that moment where everybody knew, you know, I kept my secrets. Nobody knew what was going on at home. But when it was publicly announced that I was the ugliest girl, it impacted my life in a way that um, I never thought it would. I understand it today. I'm not that person anymore, but I attracted abusive relationships. Um, I was with people who cheated on me, just all these things happen because of that moment. And so my message to everybody out there is that it's not funny. 
we cannot be saying things to people that and we make a joke and you guys think it doesn't hurt you don't know the background of these people you don't know if this person had gone through abuse and a lot of times when we were trying to be funny it's not funny because it can impact a person's life it has taken me years years of work and healing to to do what our previous speaker said to use all that as my superpower so today i advocate for people who have been put down and whose self-esteem has been destroyed because you know what? I'm the smile that people didn't give to me. And so I'm asking all of you out there, I'm asking, I'm begging, stand up for the people who cannot stand up for themselves. So many times we watch bullying happen right in front of our face at the store or out and about, and we just stand there and say nothing. As a community, we are responsible to help others. We are responsible to say that is not okay. We are responsible to say, um, we need to do something to help people. You know, um, in 2010, we had 34 kids bully side, meaning that they committed suicide because of bullying. That should never happen. And I'm saying this to you because that moment in time really kind of dictated the rest of my life. I didn't know. I didn't know that that moment in time would have put me in the situations that, I, that I'm in. I'm not that, I'm not that person anymore and I'm not there anymore. I'm a completely different person. I have a beautiful relationship. I'm in a good place, but we need to stop it in its tracks. And so for me, um, you know, I want all of us out there together holding hands saying, you know what, we love you. If you were the person that was bullied, I'm sorry. If you were the bullier, please, Please get help because I know that bullies themselves are angry at the world. If you are out there, just be a support and be the smile and the joy and the love that we all need to see. Because you know what? We can, just one smile can make a huge difference. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, Erica. It's always a pleasure seeing you. Thank you for sharing your story. And all these speakers are amazing. I'm like just really floored about the courage. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story and being transparent. Our next speaker is Kavet Minor Kane. She is a financial liberation expert. Please welcome our next speaker, Kavet Minor Kane. Hello. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. Thank you so much, Dr. Lakeisha and Gigi, for having me here. It's such an honor and a privilege to be with. All of you, I love hearing your stories and your experience and your being able to overcome the challenges that you face through bullying. So my name is Kivette Minor Kane, and I'm your financial liberation expert. What I do is I guide women and men on their journey to self-sufficiency by teaching them how to understand our emotions and how they affect our money management so that they're able to make better decisions, create better habits, and experience a greater quality of life. So this topic is significant to me because bullying may be directly connected to the challenges that many people face where money trauma and financial abuse is concerned. I address this in my practice as a mindset coach by working through mindset awareness with my clients to overcome the limiting beliefs that bullying can cause. So I understand this personally because I endured bullying at school, like many of you, when I was a teenager, this was challenging for me because I was attacked based on my income and the ability of my single parent mother to provide what other kids judge to be good clothing and grooming. 
You see, my mother was unable to afford the designer clothes that many of the other kids had. And so my clothing was identified as generic and cheap. You know, they taunted me in the hallways of the school from class to class after lunch, before lunch, in gym class um, about this. And it was very traumatic for me. Um, this affected me so much that my self-esteem was very low. And I was even contemplating suicide at, a, at one point because the teasing had become so overwhelming to me. I would also give credit to bullying for the low self-esteem that allowed me to endure several abusive relationships, including a 19-year marriage in which I experienced abuse on every level, including mental abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, physical abuse, and financial abuse. I was told that I should not speak because no one wanted to hear what I had to say. And I was rejected from receiving affection because I was, you know, in a way that was manipulating and I was told that I wasn't worthy. Um, unfortunately, this affected, you know, my relationship with my children. And I feel like those are, that is one of the, the aspects of abuse and domestic violence that many will overlook is the, the effects that children uh, endure in seeing their parents in such a way. And so having transformed my life at this point, um, I am able to be financially empowered with a firm foundation of stability and funding for my life in the future. And I'm no longer allowing any hint of abuse or bullying to exist in my environment or among my associates because I've learned to love myself first. And that was one of the greatest challenges. You see, I endured three major traumas in less than two and a half years before COVID. And when that third trauma, which was the separation of my marriage occurred, um, it just caused a total pause for me. And I had to really take an opportunity to review my mindset because I knew that moving forward, if I was going to accomplish any of the dreams that I ever had, that I would have to fix the way that I was thinking so that I would be able to manage my money properly in order to, to get to that place of accomplishing those goals. So what I know about bullies, just like many of you have said, is that you know they're people who suffer from lowest, low self-esteem. But I think what we often overlook too is their trauma response because it's to make someone else feel lower than themselves, that they feel empowered and to get, get, gain a sense of power over them. So you've heard that saying before um, that hurt people hurt people. Well, you know, that cliche is absolutely the truth. And when a person really understands the underlying motivation for this self-defeating behavior, then you're able to recognize that the bully isn't just attacking you out of anger or hatred, but that they are really lashing out due to their own insecurities and feelings of inadequacy and insignificance. It is not our responsibility to heal them. However, understanding this does not um, excuse even their poor behavior. Um, but what it does allow us to do is be empowered so that we're no longer a victim, able to understand the motivation so that this energy and these emotions are not transferred and embraced as shortcomings of our own. If you've ever experienced bullying, then you know that it can be very difficult to not accept the things that they say in such a condescending and belittling way as highlighted reality for you to be ashamed of. So this is especially difficult when the bully has support of others, uh, those who might be cheering them on or those who are laughing at the rude comments. We've heard the 
statements before about the memes that people share. And, you know, it's even worse when you're in front of people and someone will co-sign on, you know, that bullying behavior. So if you feel triggered by the conversation um, that we're having today, I'd like you to take a moment with me and just breathe. This will allow you to reset your mindset on a biological level. And so let's take a deep breath. Now, I'd like you to repeat with me what I have created as the Mari More Life Mindset Mantra to shift your belief and regain your power. Because it is truly our deepest beliefs that influence our emotions and then our actions, how we interact with our environment as well as those around us. And so remind yourself on a daily basis, I am enough. I have enough. I do enough. The source is my provider. And so it is. When you make that confirmation and you gain power over your emotions, and then you will have better control over the emotional money management decisions that you make as well. And this can have a lasting effect on your financial stability and your mindset. If this is appealing to you, then please feel free to connect with me at marimorelife.com or online on social media, Facebook or Instagram. Um, I love to share the encouragement that I've been able to find from within myself for other people, because that is when we are truly empowering others, when we take the power that we have and we transfer that energy so that they're able to be built up. And so I thank you for allowing me to be here and I hope you all have peace and abundance. Thank you, Kavet. Thank you for sharing your story, Kavet. Very inspiring. Our next speaker is Devin Rodriguez. Devin is a certified professional life coach, motivational speaker, author, and U.S. Army officer. Please welcome our next speaker, Devin Rodriguez. Well, hello there. Does my video look okay? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. What a day. What a day to talk about something that is very important to me. And obviously, if you're here in one way or the other, it is very important to you as well. As somebody that's only 24, about to be 24 years old, the whole bullying thing is only a few years away from me. Back in the second grade, my parents and I moved to a new neighborhood. And I'm not sure if there's anybody that's listening to this that moved to a new neighborhood and wanted desperately to experience one thing, but what met you when you moved to that neighborhood was the complete opposite of that one thing. And for me, I was in the second grade. I thought I was gonna go make a bunch of new friends and have fun. But what met me was for the next six years of my life, I endured what I could only categorize as hell. And I was bullied day in and day out to the point where I would go home to my parents and say, mom, dad, I, I hate the color of my skin. It got so bad that I went home one day and my parents said, Devin, you know what? You are part Irish now. I said, mom, why have you never told me this before? They said, well, we just didn't think it was necessary. So I went around telling everybody because I lived in a 100% Irish neighborhood that I was Irish. I finally thought I would be accepted. But what I understood and what I came to believe and realize was that God does not bless who you pretend to be. And although 
<laughs> I went on telling everybody I was Irish. It didn't make anybody accept me anymore. And I went home to my parents one day and I said, Mom, Dad, it, the kids still don't like me. And I, I got to ask you a question. And they said, what is it? I said, well, am I really Irish? And they said, no. You finally found out that you're not Irish. I said, why did you do this? And they said, honey, we needed to give you something to give you some type of hope. And that was just the type of situation that I was in. But my message to you today is, after I endured, because it really is an endurance race bullying, sometimes it might last a day, but a lot of the times it could last six years like it did for me. But as I look back now over 18, 15 years ago, and I'm thinking about everything that I went through in terms of bullying, I could honestly say thank you. And if you're listening to this, maybe you've gone through some bullying. Maybe you have some kids that have gone through some bullying. Maybe you're getting bullied right now. I am not sure. But what I can say is that if I did not endure the bullying that I did endure, I would not be the person that I am today. So I challenge everybody, if you're currently facing it or if your kids are facing it, I wanna challenge you to go ahead and write a letter to those that are bullying you. And write them a letter saying, thank you for what you are doing for me or what you have done for me because without you, I will not become or I am or I cannot be the person that I am today without what you have put me through. And it's very challenging and it's a very hard thing to do, but I just want to simply encourage you if you don't take away anything else from this today, the very simple fact that what the bullies are doing to you today, my friends, or maybe to someone that you know, is ultimately going to be the very same thing that will set you up for success later in your life. And this is a very heartfelt topic for me because there were plenty of days when I went home and fell into my bed, put my face into my pillow, and just screamed on the top of my lungs because of how much pain I was in. You see, the thing is, is that the physical scars hurt when I would get beat up. But what hurt even more were the internal scars that nobody could see. The things that it was doing to me internally. But I'm so grateful to say that if you are willing to endure those times, then those times will turn into your greatest blessings. So I thank you for allowing me to come and share here with you today because this is a real treat talking about something that I don't get to talk about very often in an event that is very unique. So Gigi Sabat, you are the best and the East and the West and the wonderful host who introduced me. Thank you so much. I appreciate you both so very much. Thank you, Devin. Thank you. You sound like a radio personality. Your voice. Well, yeah. I'm a podcaster. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Thank you so much for being transparent. Thank you for sharing your story. Our next speaker is Aaron Bear. Aaron Bear is an author, speaker, and coach. Aaron wrote the book From Beaten to Badass. Yep, I said it from beaten to badass and it was released in october 2019 Aaron's life purpose is to confront the elephants in the room and give women strength by inspiring and motivating Aaron teaches them to leverage all of what life throws their way to bring out the powerful women they truly are showing them they are not defined by their circumstances and they are a badass ladies and gentlemen please welcome our next speaker Aaron bear 
Thank you, Dr. Lakeisha. I love saying Dr. Lakeisha. That's amazing. You're a badass. And Gigi is about one of the most badass women I know. So thank you so much for having me here. It's truly an honor with all of these other amazing panelists, both men and women. Uh, and thank you to those that are watching. So for as long as I can remember, I was always different. I didn't look like the other girls. I didn't talk like the other girls. I just really beat, I just really marched to the beat of my own drum. And I, I didn't know that that was bad. I didn't know that there was something wrong with me. But growing up without any friends, that was my normal. Now, the thing you don't know is I grew up with a twin sister. We didn't look alike. We didn't act alike. We were completely different. But everybody loved her. And I was like, they love her. I'm her sister. Why don't, why don't they like me? Why don't they love me? Why don't they want to be around me? They found me annoying and ugly. And they didn't pay any attention to me. So when they did pay attention to me, they were picking on me. I was the underdog. I was, you know, the one that nobody really wanted to be included. You know, when you got picked for dodgeball in gym class, I was always the last one. And when the team had to call out my name, they're just like, Ugh, I guess I'll take Aaron. And that just broke me little by little. It ate away. And so eventually I just grew tired of it. I was the kid who didn't play at recess. I literally went around saving ant hills. Yes, ant hills from getting stepped on. They were my friends or I hung out with the teachers because they were my friends. And I was just trying to disappear in my own mind until the bell rang, because at least in the classroom, I really couldn't be picked on. I sat in the front. I paid attention. I had perfect attendance. I stayed to myself and I just wanted to survive the day. I loved learning, but I hated everything else about growing up because I was being bullied and teased all the time. So when you're a kid and no one, absolutely no one, including people your own age, don't like you, you question your existence. And there were many moments I questioned my existence. I wanted to die. I didn't want to kill myself, but I wanted to die because nobody saw me anyway, so they wouldn't miss me, right? Well, I kept kept on keeping on and I just figured, you know what? If they don't like me, so be it. God loves me. And I found God in second grade and he was with me through everything. I didn't realize it until later on in life, but I knew that it was going to still be tough. Growing up was hard. I had a twin sister. Everybody loved her. And I had to find my own way. And I did. I mean, I was a golfer. So add that on to having short hair and looking like a boy and having buck teeth and being skinny and scrawny. I was called Mr. Ed, the horse, Mr. Ed. Yeah, that was me. And it was horrible. So I just said, you know what? If people don't like me, then they don't like me. And my mom did everything she could to help me build self-confidence. I mean, she made me stand in front of the mirror every single day saying, I like myself. I like myself. I like myself 10 times every single day. I found it useless. I found it pointless because if nobody liked me, why should I like me? That was the hardest thing about it. I couldn't even like myself. And so eventually I realized I needed to like myself. So what if nobody else liked me? So what if I got teased and bullied? Eventually I would blossom into the person I needed to be. And it's because a friend of my mom said, you're a late bloomer. I didn't know what that meant, but we're all flowers. We all bloom at our own rate and we shouldn't compare ourselves to others. You know, we really shouldn't. And we do that very much as young children, as adults, especially as women. I'm not sure if men do, I'm sure they do, but I can't speak for men because I'm not a man, but we have to realize that we go and grow at our own pace and that's okay. So what I learned is that I need to do accept me for me 
Because if I liked me, eventually people would start to like me because I thought I was a pretty cool person. And in fact, I'm a badass. <laughs> so you know what? All those bullies that picked on me, thank you. Thank you. Because I got to have a relationship with myself. I got to learn who I was, what I wanted to be, who I wanted to represent as me, what I wanted to stand for, what I did not want to stand for. And I wanted to stand up for me. I wanted to stand up for all the other underdogs. And I wanted to prove to the world, because mostly I was proving to myself that I am strong. I am enough. And it doesn't matter what you put in front of I'm not. I'm not pretty enough, skinny enough or whatever, whatever you put in there, it doesn't matter because I'm enough. I'm enough for me. I'm enough for God. And I'm enough for all those people that I advocate for. So what I'm here to say is regardless if you're bullied, abused, struggle with infertility, all the things, you're enough. Just as many of these other panelists said, you're a badass. I will always tell everybody that you're a badass. You're not defined by your circumstances. All you have to do is get back up. And when you show up for you, you show up for the world. Don't let anybody dim your light. Share your story. Remember, you're a badass. Thank you so much. Amen. You are enough. And Erin, you are a badass. I love that. I love that. It's always a pleasure seeing you, sister. <laughs> Thank you so much for always being transparent and sharing your story. Absolutely. My pleasure. Our next speaker is Eric Swanson. Eric Swanson is a 13-time number one best-selling author, award-winning habits and attitude speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Eric Swanson. Oh, thank you so much. I want to make sure you guys can hear me. Is it, uh, is it good? Yes, sir. Yes, excellent. Um, I'm, uh, I apologize. I, I, I'm in a traffic situation, somewhat of an emergency situation. I was going to get back uh, to my office but you've caught me in the car. So things happen and I'm super excited to be here. And uh, my dog is excited about both of them to be on the, on the stage with you, Gigi and everybody. Um, in regard to, uh, to, to bullying, you know, my story is, um, is, is, it's pretty, pretty simple, straightforward. And I had enough. What, what happened was, thank you, gentlemen. I'm literally on the phone. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I was bullied all the way through my, my grade school. And, and the thing is, um, I allowed it to happen. You know, I, I technically just let it happen as most of us do because we don't know where to turn, where to go, what to do. And uh, I remember just every, every time through um, every single grade up until I, I went from my sophomore year to junior year of high school. And guess what? Well, I grew. I literally was, I, I, I call myself um, a taller width wise before, and then I became taller ta uh, this way, you know, uh, 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 vertically. So I was so excited of the fact that during the summer, I literally grew about a foot and a half. So here I was going into my junior year of, of, uh, of high school, and I was six foot one, six two, something like that. And, uh, and I decided I had, oh, oh, another thing that happened was I moved from one city to another, you know, my family moved from, from the, um, from Maryland area up to, um, up to Vermont. So I was in a new city, a new state, a new everything and a new environment. So I decided, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to change my whole world. I made the conscious decision that enough is enough enough bullying, enough, everything. Like these people are bullying me and I'm, I'm two feet taller than them now. <laughs> That's not going to happen. 
So I decided right then to make that conscious uh, decision of awesomeness. And it was what, what I call my Satori moment. The Satori moment is literally having that awakening, that, that Satori uh, time frame where you say to yourself that, you know, you're going to make a conscious, awesome decision rather than allowing other people to decide your future. So I, I literally did that. And, uh, and, and then something happened to me. Well, I became friends with all these really cool individuals and all the cool, uh, the cool individuals who were getting picked on. I was friends with everybody then. So I had a voice now. Right. So I chose myself to have that voice. And fast forward uh, years later, um, I I'm now speaking on huge stages and like like this one. This is amazing stages, uh, virtual stages to uh, um, working with Brian Tracy and Les Brown and being on all these really cool environments and and uh, now a best selling number one best selling author. I mean, who would have thought if I had only listened to all those individuals who were picking on me and bringing me down and saying, you're not enough. You can't do it. You shouldn't do these things. They had names for, for all these things. And it had, had I listened to them? Well, I wouldn't have written in one of my books, actually. I literally, oh, I have a few books right here, um, by the way, uh, uh, 13 Steps to Riches. 13, oh my gosh, this book series is amazing. Um, and this is an autographed copy with, uh, with Dennis Waitley. And I've got uh, Sharon Lecter, all these really cool individuals. They'd say, you know what? you've got a message. Well, guess what? One of my first books, I actually, you know how we do um, acknowledgements or, or yeah, introduction and then acknowledgements. Well, I did an acknowledgement of my very first number one bestselling author, uh, my bestselling book. And it was to thank all of the haters, all of the people who picked on me for years and years. I thanked them because, you know, without them, they wouldn't have given me the, 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 the challenge and the awesomeness to, rise above and conquer that and not let that happen to other people. So I vow to help people. Now I've got something called the creed. In fact, I have one right here. It sits in my car right here on my dashboard on, on one of my cars. And here it is. And it says, I hold it up. Boom. I don't know if you can see that if it's reading the right way, but it's the, it's the Swanson's creed. Yes. I'm Eric Swanson. And by the way, I want all of you right now. I can feel the energy. I don't know if you can feel the energy. I'm glad I'm not driving or am I? No, I'm not. So guys, I can feel the energy in the room. I want all of you right now. I want to see your lips moving. I want to see you say, I am, and then say your first name, your last name. I want you to say it right now. Go. I am Eric Swanson. Who are you? I am. Put it in the chat. I am Gigi Sabat. I am Eric Swanson. So literally just Make sure that you <laughs> make sure that here comes the emergency vehicle, by the way, that I ordered. <laughs> I'll tell you that story later. So make sure that you tell yourself that you are that person, because guess what? You deserve it. And this creed says, I am the best. Let me hold it up. Oh, if you can see it, I am the best. I am focused. I will succeed. I believe in myself. I set high expectations. I don't let others bring me down. I surround myself with my awesome future and my awesome individuals. And, uh, and I, I, I will learn and grow every single day. Are you doing that for yourself? You need to learn, grow, and stop letting people decide your future. My name is Eric Swanson. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Eric. You're funny. Thank you for that. Thanks for being transparent. <laughs> thank you, Gigi. It. And thank you, Dr. Leticia. Leticia, one, one sound bite out of this whole thing was, Eric, you're funny. <laughs> yes. Funny. Funny. Sister Hume, I love it. I, thank you for being transparent. You guys are awesome. Thank you.
Okay, and now I'm going to share, well, actually, I was going to introduce our next speaker. He could not be here tonight. Andrew Rossall, can you guys see my screen? Yes, ma'am. Okay, awesome. Okay, one moment. Lakeisha, I can go ahead and introduce Andrew Rosso. He is okay. an attorney and he, he, he couldn't be with us tonight, but, but he does have a story to share with us. So, so here it is here. Can you all see the screen? Okay. Hi, my name is Andrew Rosso. And I'm a practicing technology attorney based in Austin, Texas. When I was 13 years old, I was sexually assaulted at a Jewish summer camp for boys and girls by my male counselors. It wasn't until July of 2020 that I finally shared my story. Being in media as not just an attorney, but as a journalist and an entrepreneur, you see a lot of things, you come across a lot of people. And the ability to tell other people's stories in a way that isn't always told accurately or in a way that should be told has become my mission ever since I entered the world of journalism. When I first shared my story back in July of 2020, I was met with a lot of warm reception, but a lot of others who were very quick to put down the story, to denounce it. Those closest to me didn't believe it. Those closest to me thought that it was an attempt to kind of elevate myself in the media. And that's the problem we face today. That's a problem a lot of us face today is the notion of being shamed or put down for telling a story that is so vulnerable and raw that it makes others feel uncomfortable that they have to put you down. At 32 years old, I took the path towards law to help others feel as if they aren't alone. When it happened to me, I was alone. I was miles and miles away from my family in a different state. I was young enough to where I didn't really understand or appreciate what was happening to me, but I was told what I needed to do, what I needed to say. And if anybody ever asked, I was brainwashed in a lot of ways to just give the answer that I needed to. And for many years, I didn't think anything of it. For many years, I blocked it out until two years ago where something happened in the world of media as part of a company that I was involved with, a, a toxic workplace to where it started to bring up memories that I thought I had moved on from. It brought up memories that I thought were resolved, but never were. And the decision to tell my story as not only a white male, but as somebody in the media I felt necessary. I felt necessary to finally use my voice in a way that wasn't hypocritical rather than covering stories about other survivors and speaking out on stories where others were subjected to such horrific, horrific events. It was time to tell my story. And for those of you watching, I want to say thank you for being part of this panel, for being 
in attendance because these aren't easy topics. These aren't topics that anyone is just okay listening to. And my mission for the past two years since I did share my story is to help others feel safe, secure, and know that it's okay to tell your story, that you're not alone, that yes, you will be met with criticism, you will be met with hatred, you will be met with people who will try to deny that the events that happened to you ever happened, or that the events as you remembered them happened in the way that you remember them. And what I want you to remember is that you're not alone and that nobody can take what happened to you away from you, but to stand up and stand up for what you believe in, speak out about what you feel comfortable with. And that's what I try to do every day. It's one thing to cover a story for the sake of covering a story, but it's another thing entirely to cover stories that mean something, mean something to you, mean something to the community. And I strive every day to be better than the media landscape that we see today, because it is upside down, it is backwards, and people should not be shamed for what events happen to them. Whether you are a man, a woman, trans, however you identify, it is okay to stand up and speak out, but you are never, never alone. So for those of you watching, I wanna say thank you. My name is Andrew Rosso, and if I can ever be a resource for you, I'm happy to be there. Please email me, please reach out. Let me help you tell your story in a way that makes you feel safe and secure. Thank you. Although Andrew cannot be with us today, just really appreciate him for taking the time to do that video to share his story and to raise awareness about bullying. Our next speaker is Jen Duplessis. She is known as America's Lifestyle Mastery Mentor. People most attracted to Jen, her high achieving professional and entrepreneurs who are missing something. Through her mastermind, she helps people increase awareness of what's possible to multiply their results in record time while having the courage to say yes to their personal lives. She is the CEO and founder of numerous companies. She is from Northern Virginia and attended Colorado State University, where she studied architectural design and construction engineering. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Jen Duplessis. Please forgive me if I butchered your last name. Duplessis, I'm sorry. <laughs> You are almost there. Thank you. It's duplicit. Duplicit. Thank you. Thank you so. Much. Uh, thank you, everybody. I am excited. My biggest challenge is just my. So that's apparently one of my biggest challenges. I, I want to say thank you so much for um, having me here today. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story. Um, I've been listening to all the stories, and it's amazing how all of us are walking around with this shield behind what has really happened in our lives. And I think it's beautiful that we are now taking that shield off or at least poking holes in it for some of us, right? Um, for fear of, oh, the retribution or, you know, am I ready for this? So uh, hopefully this opportunity is is there for us. But I want to tell you just a quick story about Jenny who ain't got a penny. I um, was, that was my nickname, Jenny who ain't got a penny. And um, I, uh, you know, was called that by my uncles and I lived in a, in a home where we just didn't have a lot of money. But the most important thing is that my father or my uh, father was an alcoholic and my mother was a verbal abuser. And that's the type of bullying that I was subjected to. 
And so it didn't matter if it was, I didn't clean out an ashtray because back then they smoked like crazy, whether I cleaned out an ashtray, right. Whether I had the perfect lines in the, in vacuuming the floor and the carpet, um, whether I had perfect grade school, um, whether I folded a, a towel, right. It didn't matter. She was a verbal abuser. I didn't look right. I didn't act right. I didn't talk right. I didn't walk right. I didn't respond properly to somebody. And the result of that was, um, my confidence level being lower. And I remembered, I still have all of my, my uh, grades from school, you know, when I was back in kindergarten and things like that. And they would always say, Jennifer uh, doesn't, uh, she lacks confidence. Jennifer lacks confidence. And once she has confidence, she's going to, you know, achieve wonderful and beautiful things in her life. And um, so as a result of that, uh, it became a trigger to avoid conflict in everything that I did. So when I got married at the age of 19 with, you know, my husband, now we've been married for 39 years. I didn't even know how to argue with him. I didn't even know how to fight because I was an only child. So I didn't know how to argue with him. I didn't know how to express my, um, anything that I needed because I lacked that confidence. I, I didn't want the raised voices, the loud, everything. And what ended up happening is, you know, well, let me ask you this question. Do you think I lost opportunities in life? Absolutely. Um, you know, and I was so concerned about how it would affect my children because I didn't want this to be passed down. This verbal bullying that a parent can do to a child that can just squash their confidence, squash their, um, their worthiness. You know, I, that was a word that I used many, many times. I'm just not worth it. I'm not worthy um, just from verbal abuse. So I knew things had to change and, you know, I knew that I needed to manifest emotional, you know, quote, quote, uh, my, my emotional quotient, it's easier to say EQ. I needed to change that. I needed to change my adversity, um, quotient as well, uh, to make sure that I could stand in my power, right. Stand up for myself and, that was most important for my children. They're now grown and they have children as well, but I did not to live, you know, that life. And I, and I realized, you know, in, in, in life, we have this rule book. Most people are in the mass of the rule book is just be quiet, just know it's life and, you know, snap out of it and, and move on. But, you know, I'm happy to say that this is now, you know, I'm, I'm an international speaker. I'm an eight-time number one best-selling author. I'm a TV show host. I'm a podcast host. I'm a coach. I'm a mentor. I'm, I do all this mastermind. I'm a grandma, right? And I'm a great grand, I glamma. <laughs> I'm a great glamma. And, you know, but it took, it took a lot. It was an inside job for me personally, because it wasn't that I had all these terrible stories I'm hearing about all of you for having all these people come after you. Mom coming after me, constantly telling me I wasn't worth it. So I had to recalibrate and reprogram that thought pattern uh, to, to know that I am worth it and I'm done. I'm done with her, her telling me that I'm not worth it. And I'm going to prove to her that I can change my life. And I've done that. I've, I've changed my life and I've created new results um, because I changed the programming. So for those of you watching, you know, change the programming. It's an inside job. You're not going to get it from the external. You're going to get it from knowing 
that you're worth it and knowing that no one can tell you um, that you can't achieve anything in your life, which is why my book is called Tell Me I Can't. And my show is called Tell Me I Can't because when you tell me I can't, you better get out of my way because I'm headed for greatness. (laughs) So I'm Jen Duplessis. Um, You can reach me by texting Make Your Mark to 26786. Again, make your mark to 26786. And I would love to connect with you and help you achieve all those beautiful things that you're looking for in your life to make your mark. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Jen, for being transparent and sharing your story. Glamour. I love it. Our next speak is Mark <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Mark Stephen Pooler, Step Leadership and Transformation expert, professional speaker, radio host, public speaker, coach, PR expert, creative entrepreneur. Mark Stephen Pooler has, has overcome the kind of adversary that most people cannot even comprehend. He has taken the resilience from his past trauma and turned that into an inspirational determination to help others. After years of being severely bullied, Mark turned to drug addiction and started down a dark road of self-destruction that nearly inter- ended his life. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Mark Stephen Pooler. I was always the guy at school that got bullied about the way I looked and about my sexuality before I even knew my own sexuality. Big chin, big ears, queer, gay, you name it, I was called it. I had a terrible time at school. I remember one day one of the hard lads of class walking home from school, come and kicked me in my back for no reason. I had to run the three miles home. Low self-esteem, low self-confidence, stress, anxiety. I was traumatised through bullying. And as mentioned in the kind introduction, it did lead to a drug addiction where I ended up collapsing and dying from drug use. But I want to focus on the bullying today. Low self-esteem, low self-confidence, stress, anxiety, depression. It was like the wounds had healed, but the scars were very much still there. Even as I got older, bullying happens in workplace environments. It's not just in the younger years of life. It does happen in workplace as well. And that happened to me as well. So I would like to just share, never suffer alone. Never, ever ever be ashamed. Seek help from a friend, a mentor, a teacher, a family member, someone that you trust. Confide in them. Ask for help. You should never, ever, ever be ashamed. And also one of the previous speakers did mention hurt people, hurt people. So I think it's really, really important that sometimes you do sympathise with the bully because it really is true. Hurt people, hurt people. 
Today, I am editor-in-chief of MSPnewsglobal.com. I'm a PR expert. I run a successful PR agency. I'm an international number one best-selling author, radio host, television host. Your past does not define you. What, what does not kill you makes you stronger. So I just want to finish on never suffer alone, never suffer in silence and ask for help. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. It's always nice to see you. Thank you for sharing your story. Our next speaker is, what's the L'Oreal next, Gigi? No. No. Okay. Jacqueline. Our next speaker is Jacqueline M. Wagner, founder and creator of the Reconnect Method, author, speaker, podcast host, and coach. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Jacqueline M. Wagner. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me here. Thank you, Gigi, for this amazing event. And I am glad to be here to be sharing my story. Uh, not only did I deal with a lot of different trauma, not only from family with bullying, but also throughout childhood. So many speakers have shared today how when bullies come and project out to you, there's something within themselves or there's something within ourselves that we're not stepping into. And everything is a mirroring effect of what's happening within the world. And that was something that I really found in my own life. I had gone through my parents having a horrific divorce and going right on up. And it was something that really traumatized me. Zero to seven years old is such an age where we are in the process of building the foundation of what we believe about life, what we feel safe with, what we feel secure with. And then when we go to school and having all of the other bullies that come into our lives compounds that, I call that the compounding effect when I am talking with people. And for me, it was something that I built resilience with it. It was something that I found that I didn't fit in anywhere. I wasn't quite sure what to do. And I just needed to find my empowerment with being a lone wolf. And what I found was that was not necessarily the right way for me in order to come into my full empowerment. And it wasn't until I was in an auto accident in the inner city where I got in the middle of crossfires between two road rage of two other vehicles and he got out to attack me. It was the students that I was contracted to work with who were the ones that came to my rescue. And in this point in time for me, I crumbled. I realized that I was masking all of the hurt that I had gone through to have this strength of my own to want to step in. But what I realized is that my learned behavior, not only from my childhood, but also in all the school age years, I became my own worst bully. And it was something that I had to realize that the self-talk that I had in my own mind, in my own heart even, was something that I had to reevaluate for myself. So as much as I had gone through everything that I went through in my life, and it made me almost crumble at the face of where do I go next? But it was such an amazing event for me 
to be able to realize that I was my own worst bully at that point in time. And we do that because we want to protect ourselves from all of those bullying events, all of those people, all of the places that we were that hurt us so tremendously and compounded from all the previous existing bullying that we dealt with. And it was something for me that when I looked internally with myself and was able to nurture those aspects, it's the reason why I created the Reconnect Method, for us to take a look at just ourselves, who we are, where we're going, and not projecting out because no one defines who we are, where we've even been, or where we're going. And all of that comes down to our own choices. So although it was an experience that was so hurtful in so many instances throughout my life. It's something that has given me such freedom and allowed me to stand on stages to be able to help others that are still feeling the traumatic effects that don't feel like they're in the right place. They feel like they're stuck. They are hopeless. They're a lone wolf and none of us have to feel that way. So I just wanted to take a moment to share a small piece of my story. I'd love to connect with whoever else my story resonated with. And if you are feeling any of these things, know that there's a place in you to find freedom. It never comes outside of you. You have the power within you in order to heal and become so empowered to be able to be part of the change that we need to see in the world. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jacqueline. Thank you, Jacqueline, for sharing your story. Thank you. Our next speaker is Laurel Elian. She is a client attraction queen. I love that, client attraction queen. Online business coach, communication expert, virtual event facilitator, researcher, and therapist. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Laurel Elian. Thank you so much for all that you're doing, Dr. Lakeisha and beautiful Gigi. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story for for people to learn from and since we first talked about it I've been really surprised at how it's brought up so much in in me and listening to the stories today there's um, yeah lot, lots of memories so I um, I was the the fat happy kid I grew up with names like uh, giggles bubbles and and stuff like that and I, I realized that that's how I buried what was going on in inside from a very young age. And in grade four, um, the, the situation really started um, revealing itself through a girl who was in a couple grades bigger. And she was much bigger than, than myself. And she would wait for me after school to to punch me, to beat me up. And her, her thing was that I wore dresses. And, you know, we grew up in such a middle class, like middle, lower income uh, neighborhood. And I didn't, I didn't come from money. Well, I grew up in the time when um, we got one pair of shoes, two pair of pants when you went back to school. And that particular year, my mom sewed me a dress. And I wore I wore that dress out, <laughs> and um, but she she picked that as her target. And it's true that the bullies have been bullied. So, uh, long story short, uh, we ended up uh, taking um, you know parents being brought in, and 
You know what, that, that situation kind of continued to reveal itself through the rest of, into my adult years and uh, into the workplace. And, you know, um, I think that's, that's a really big part of the message that I have today is for people to be conscious of their words, their power in our words. We, we create our life through the words that we speak, the topics that we talk about. And uh, something I heard from one of the speakers from the stage somewhere along the way is that um, uh, pe people, small people talk about other people and, it, and it's true. And there's all kinds of, of ways that we can empower ourselves and others and create better lives through the things that we talk about, the actions that we teach our children by what we model. So my daughter, um, my first daughter, was different and she started being bullied in play school and it was so challenging to, to watch that because she's the bright-eyed, you know, spirit that um, she just wanted to be like the other kids and be, she didn't differentiate between the boys or the girls and girls didn't like her because she was pretty, pretty cute and bright-spirited and they do nasty things and I, I started to um, experience what I lived but even worse through what she was going through. I remember one mom saying to me at school one day, why don't you just accept that it's your kid's turn? Which I felt so conflicted by where I was as the parent being told to shut up and mind my own business and just deal with it and knowing that my child didn't have any protection at school. And there had been so many things going on. The nasty little girls in through grade 12 became the nasty other girls at school. And then later on in life, um, she actually had some of those nasty high school girls as bosses in her jobs. And what, what I did for, for my daughters was volunteerism. That's, that's where I got lost or was able to submerge myself into a place of giving of self. And I heard somewhere along the line, if you're not getting enough, you're not giving enough. So if you don't have enough in your life, go and give to others. And that was the most tremendous experience I was able to share with the girls because they saw that there were so many other people out there that were without seniors without family to love them, intellectually challenged, facing great adversity. And that was one of my teachers who, back in those days, um, the uh, one gal telling her story of how those uh, children with challenges were sent away. And my, my teacher was one of the first ladies that I ever knew that kept her intellectually challenged daughter with her at home and raised her. And so she would take us to um, the special needs school. And we, we would spend time with them in grade school. It was one of the most fulfilling um, experiences because um, yeah, we just, we just had fun. We were just, it leveled the playing field. So that's what I did for my children. And, um, you know, I still today, my, my daughter, I just became glamour again from that daughter. And I'm so proud of her that she never lost that spirit of, you know, being, you know, 
being innocent, even though kids were really awful to her and her teachers ignored and those who were to help her with her employment um, ignored and called me an overbearing mom. If I had to do it all over again, I go back and tell all of them off, <laughs> stand my ground with a louder voice. And that's, that's my message to you. And as adults being bullied in the workplace, uh, I have still most recently been experienced being talked down to because I'm trying to make someone else feel less than because I wore my dress. <laughs> that has nothing to do with anyone else and that's what's going on with the bullies too what's going on with you is your situation and that stuff is their stuff so um just yeah be be the best version of yourself model that for your children and um you know just focus on being healthy body mind and spirit and go out and do more volunteer work do more giving of yourself and that's that's my message. Um, thank you so much, um, people on the panel and your stories. I'm, I'm close to tears, just, just feeling so empowered and standing with all of you. Amen. Be the best version of yourself. Very powerful. Absolutely. And Laura, I love the hair. You wearing that style, honey. You wearing that style. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Our next speaker is Dory O'Neill. Dory O'Neill is a life purpose coach helping women to identify their dreams and explore what's next in life. Her personal experience with alcoholism and recovery, surviving an abusive relationship and letting go of self-destructive behaviors was the catalyst for self-exploration and healing. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Dory O'Neill. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so just blessed to be in everybody's orbit tonight and being a part of all of our circles. Um, when we come together as one, we're stronger and we make everyone and people that can join our circle can become stronger as well. My story, I didn't really start talking about it until earlier this year. I kept my being a bull, being bullied. I kept it a secret for quite some time. And the reason why is because the reason why I was bullied was of my own, my own doing. You see, I grew up feeling less than. I felt like I needed to prove to everybody that I could be whatever it is that they wanted me to be. And so for that, boys came into the picture and I decided to prove myself to them. So the summer of my seventh grade year, I made some really poor choices and I prayed and prayed that they would not say a word. Boys being boys in this particular case, wanted to tell this, tell what they had experienced that summer. So I got on the school bus and I could hear it with the whisper starting in the back. And I was sitting next to my best friend and I was holding on to her tightly. And I'm thinking, please, no, 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 no. And you can hear it come like a wave from the back of the bus coming all the way. They were laughing, they were pointing, they were in my face. And I thought that once I got to school, it would be a little bit better, but it wasn't. And before the end of the day, it was all around the school. And it didn't get better through the school year. It got worse. People would come and shove me into the locker. They would pull my hair. They would stand in my face and call me slut, whore. And how could you do such a terrible thing? How could you? 
Didn't they know that I was already asking those questions to myself? Didn't they know that I already felt like I was nothing? But they kept teaching, treating me the same way over and over and over again. I would cry every morning and beg my mother, please don't make me go to school. I had every sore throat that there was. Um, I had stomach aches. She pushed me on to school. But I couldn't say a word to her about what was going on because it was of my own doing. And it was something that I was raised that we just didn't do. I was, went to church and we, those are things you just don't, you don't do. Good girls don't do those things. And so I endured it and I put up with it and I cried and I almost took my life. One day after school, I got off the school bus and I went into my stepdad's gun cabinet and I was going to take my life by the grace of God I did not there was there was something that shifted inside of me that says this isn't going to happen today this is not going to happen and I was able to face that year and each year got a little bit easier and I'd love to say that it stopped it didn't stop my hometown is a very small town and even in college I went to college in my my hometown, even in college, people talked about me. They probably still do. But I'll tell you something I've learned through all of this. I learned that one of the big lessons is that what people, other people think about me is none of my business. And when I can hold on to that, I'm, I'm, I know that as long as I'm taking care of my business, the way that I'm supposed to be taking care of business, I'm, I'm good. I also learned many gifts from this experience. I learned I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was and that I think I am. I learned that you can talk to people. In this instance, maybe I couldn't have talked to my mother, but there surely was some adult that I could have talked to about what I was going through and they could have understood, but I didn't give anybody that opportunity to even try to understand. And I tried to take care of it myself. And so I lived with this loneliness and I lived with this for many, many years until this year when I was able to finally say, you know what, I made, this is what happened to me. And my bullying, yes, it started from an action that I took and I started the, I, I was the one that lit the fuse, but I did not deserve the treatment that I got. And for the people that bullied me, I've heard it today and, and I love it. I thank them because I am a strong woman now. And I do know who I am and I have confidence. And now I help other people because I have empathy. I can feel what other people feel. And that's what I do now is I help other people to deal with the things that they did, they had to live through, through their lives. So Gigi, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dory. Thank you, Dory, for sharing your story. Our next speaker is Sparkle Lindsay. Sparkle Lindsay is an influential speaker and addictions coach based in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Sparkle Lindsay. It's a pleasure seeing you again, Sparkle. Hey guys, how's it going? I uh, just want to say, Gigi, Lakeisha, it's always good to see you guys. And thank you so much for, uh, I feel honored to always be on these panels. It makes me feel special. <laughs> um, you know, my name is Sparkle Lindsay. I am a keynote motivational speaker and author and a recovery coach facilitator. 
uh, for alcohol and addiction. And uh, for me, I have had a heck of a journey, um, but I'd like to talk more so not on addiction, but more so on uh, my autoimmune condition, vitiligo. Vitiligo is a skin de depigmentation disorder where one day, like Michael Jackson, and like a lot of us, I will one day be all white. And when I was younger, my father had vitiligo and a lot of kids made fun of me because of the way he looked. Uh, so not only being just an African-American woman and dealing with those hardships, but I also had to deal, and so did my brothers and sisters, had to deal with people making comments about my father's skin. And at that time, uh, people used it towards me, you know, really meanly when I was like four or five. And I didn't really know that I was gonna get vitiligo. And I didn't get vitiligo until I was 30 and I'm now 37. And my first experience uh, with my vitiligo, I, I never really realized it, noticed it, but my first experience is I went to a pool party and I was with a bunch of friends and we were all in the pool and we were having a fun time. And out of nowhere, people started getting out of the pool. And I didn't really know like what was happening because we were playing with the beach ball and having a good time and more people started getting out of the pool. So someone had started a rumor saying that my vitiligo was contagious and that people could get really sick from it. And I was in shock, you know, and at that time um, I was drinking, you know, at that time, I'm now two years and nine months sober from alcohol and addiction. But at that time I was drinking because I had started growing or having this, you know, vitiligo that was happening and people staring at me nonstop and looking at me all these different ways. And out of nowhere, I'm here having a fun time and everybody decides to leave the pool and refuse to get back in if I didn't get out. So my friends, they stayed in that pool with me. We did not get out of the pool for at least three or four hours. <laughs> and one thing they did do is they made sure that we stood strong and I stood strong in my skin and in my skin I win because of that. And little did I know that being a motivational keynote speaker, being able to talk about alcohol and addiction openly and vulnerable, vulnerably, but also being proud of my, my patches, you know, my white skin and standing strong in that lets people know that no matter who you are, you're dealing with different things every day, you know, and the fact that if you see someone being bullied, stand up, stand up and stand out for them, stand up and stand up and stand out for yourself. And the way that happens is by falling more and more in love with yourself every day. And so my book, Being a Better Me for Me by Sparkle Lindsay is the book that helps you do that. Work with yourself from the inside out. Figure out where you fit in your puzzle and how beautiful you are to you and everybody else it becomes infectious to. So thank you guys and Gigi, Lakeisha, thank you guys for letting me share my story again. And I'll see you guys around. <laughs> Sparkle. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much again for sharing the story. Our next speaker is 
Susan Bollinger. Susan is an educator and blogger. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Susan Bollinger. You're muted. Is that better? Yes, ma'am. I thought I had everything ready to go. Thank you so much for having me. I am amazed. I've been crying. I've been listening to everybody. I am just so touched. First off, let me just share that I'm a special education teacher. Um, so, so many things here tonight have have touched me. I've lived it with my students. I am a victim of bullying as a child, so I've lived a lot of that, um, you know, those things too. But I want to talk a little bit about victim, being a victim of bullying in the workplace. Um, I want to make sure that everybody understands that this goes on more than you could possibly ever realize. And let me share with you just a little bit of information that I, um, that I put together about adult bullies. A bully is afraid of being unmasked and discovered to be a fraud. Um, the bully is possessed by secrets and lies and insecurities. Therefore, the bully attaches those flaws to his victims and carries out unimaginable acts of defamation. In the workplace, that can be something like intimidation, significant intimidation. It can be, um, the, it can be outright threats. It can be um, trying to spread rumors about you. It can be threatening to to get you fired, there are so many things. I have actually, I wanna just share a couple of things quickly that have really occurred to me as a school administrator after I left the classroom and I was now a school administrator. I've had two teachers push me and I was told we probably shouldn't worry about it because they're good teachers. It's not right. It's not right. It was in front of children who were more upset than I was. It was not appropriate. It should not have been done and it should have been handled. I've had a teacher tell me that um, when my mother was dying and in the hospital and I chose to be in the hospital with her and I was going to be taking about a week off, that that was causing her to be burdened and that I needed to choose between work and school, work and, and my mother. Um, human resources took care of that. I wanna make sure that anybody who's bullied in the workplace knows that there are human resource laws and policies and procedures that are there. They're not perfect, I can assure you, they are not perfect, but at least they are there and you should be able to find some help. Um, I had two formal complaints that were directed toward my immediate supervisor. And my immediate supervisor tried to finagle the truth to make the people that made the complaint think that I was the one in charge of the building that day. And I was the one that made the mistake. 
So in talking about those kinds of things, I wanna make sure that if you are bullied, if you are confronted with something like this, that you are documenting everything. In that case, I was able to go back and look at my records and show them where I was and what I was doing that day. I was able to prove. Unfortunately, it is exhausting emotionally to have to deal with someone like that every single day. I have to keep telling myself during these kinds of events that Betty Davis said this, birds always peck at the best fruit. <laughs> and oftentimes I found myself in situations, and I've heard a couple of other people mentioning this, in situations where um, people feel threatened because you are more knowledgeable, you're maybe better liked, you are in somewhere or another, they feel threatened by your moving up the ladder and they don't like it. You really need to keep an eye on protecting yourself. Um, several situations where I've been a scapegoat for people who have had problems and they've tried to blame it on me, have to go back through the records and get my documentation. So protect yourself, number one. Be sure to protect yourself. Adult bullying doesn't have to be that um, dramatic. It, if, it, if you are feeling intimidated, if you are feeling harassed, if you are feeling like your workplace is toxic, these are things that are coming from something and somebody who is a bully. So please don't allow that to happen. Please know, document these things. Please know to find people to talk to. Pay attention to who witnesses these things that are happening to you. Uh, make sure that they are witnesses. Um, there should be a zero tolerance policy for bullying in the workplace, just like there is in schools. We have a long way to go before we get to that point yet. But as victims of bullying who have come out on the other side of it, we should be the leaders of trying to make a difference, of speaking out, of protecting other people that we see who are being bullied. Oh, sorry about that. I have a cat climbing on my back. Um, uh, we need to be the leaders in making change in our society. So with all of that being said, and I know it's getting late, um, I would like to invite you all, if you would like to get more information about adult bullying, toxic, toxic environment, humiliation, there's just so much running through my mind right now. I'd like to invite you to visit sassysisterstuff.com. That's my website. Read a very comprehensive article that I wrote just a couple of weeks before Gigi got in touch with me um, about adult bullying. And there's tons of information, tons of resources. Why do people bully? What does bullying look like? So many, so much information in there. So I would like to invite you to go to that. And I would like you to help be an advocate for others and who are being bullied and to stop this bullying. It's a society change we have to make. Okay, and thank you so much for having me, you guys. Thank you, Susan. Thank mm -hmm. you, Susan, for sharing your story. Mm -hmm. Our next speaker is Christy Love.
Christy is an award-winning speaker, confidence and public speaking coach, executive teacher, author of the book From Stage Fright to Superstar, and podcast host of the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Christy Love. It's nice seeing you, sister. Hey, Dr. Lakeisha and Gigi. Thank you for having me here. And it's just an honor to be on this panel with other people who are just fighters, right? Fighters in life. And so my journey started when I was first born, day one, right? Uh, my father looked at me. He wasn't there when I was born, but he came in, in the room and he looked at me and he said, that white baby's not mine. Being an African-American woman, um, that trend followed me all through my life. I didn't fit in anywhere. I didn't fit in in a predominantly white schools because I was too dark. No one would talk to me. I didn't fit in in a predominantly black school because I was too light and as they would call it, too proper and educated. And so I fought and I had to fight and fight and fight. But when I look back at it, I see each fight as an opportunity to become stronger. However, after school, I thought that all of that was gonna be over with, right? All the, you know, all the bullying in my life is gonna be done with. Fast forward to about, I guess about, I'd say eight years later, I got an opportunity to work for a, a major multi Fortune 500 company in a beautiful city in Southern California. And it was like my dream job, right? Well, my life in paradise soon came to an end when they transferred a tyrant, to put it lightly, of a man to be the manager of my department. I remember one day distinctly, I got off of work around, you know, five, six o'clock, went to the gym, and they called me back to the office, which wasn't unusual. And it was on the way home. So I thought I'd just stop on by and on the way home and, and then go home after. Well, when I walked into the office, uh, he sat on one side of the desk along with the junior manager, and they motioned me to sit on the other side of the desk, which I did. However, that gentleman, as you can say, or manager, sat there and degraded me, belittled me, talked down on me, talked about me, talk, talked about lies about me, said that other people were saying lies that I found out about me, such as the CEO and a CFO, to really suppress me for three hours and would not allow me to speak. Uh, every time I tried to speak, he put his hand up and stopped me. So I just sat there like, okay, what else you got <laughs> for three hours? But as you can imagine, imagine when I left that room, I was very upset. I was pissed. The next day I called legal counsel and also the CEO's office because I tried to get help through the company. I went to HR multiple times and they really didn't have time for me, but enough was enough. I told the CEO's office that I had legal counsel on the line and they better do something or I was going to go seek an attorney. Well, that kind of sparked their attention and they immediately took action and investigated the situation and immediately moved the gentleman from my vicinity, investigated everything and exited from the company. So you would have thought that I won, right? I was victorious, which I was, but all that stress that I endured came back from when I was young, early childhood being bullied and bullied over the years and now at work to the point where I couldn't speak. I couldn't talk to anyone. I couldn't shake anyone's hand. I had a 
I, I had a job or a position where I was required to speak to other leaders from major corporations and I couldn't talk. I couldn't even answer a phone call or leave a voicemail, it was that bad. And that also led into my journey of finding out more about the art of public speaking and overcoming stage fright, which that was 19 years ago and I'm dating myself, but learning how to just really express myself in a different way that serves other people really allowed me to break out of my shell. At that time, I was very introverted. I, I couldn't talk to anyone besides close friends and family members. I knew that life wasn't gonna be very grand for me if I kept going down that road. And so I took it upon myself to learn this skill and this art of becoming an effective communicator, which led me into doing what I'm doing today. And the reason why I do what I do today as far as public speaking and, and coaching people on how to really step up, own their power, speak up, use their voice in the way that demands control because they are worth it. They are worth it and worthy of the absolute best. And I contribute being able to do this in my lifetime at this time is now from all the bullying that I received from the past. You know, every time I got into a fight, every time someone picked on me, the next day I became stronger. I became stronger and stronger and stronger. So I'm gonna let you know that you have the power within you. You have it within you. Sometimes you just need a little bit of help to bring that out, but you have the power to speak up, to use your voice and to let people know that, no, I'm not taking any, anything anymore because I am worth more, I am worthy. And I am powerful and what I have to say matters. And so I want you to just take it upon yourself to help other people and to use your resilience and your strength that you have carried over all these years to become the absolute best and serve in the best way that you can. And if you need some help with that, definitely reach out to me. You can contact me at beseenbeloved.com forward slash contact and schedule a consult. We'll have a chit chat to see where you are now and how I can help you to use that strength to create greatness. Thank you so much, Gigi and Dr. Lakeisha. Thank you, Christy. It's always a, it's always a pleasure hearing you speak, sister. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story. Our next speaker is Paul Can. He's a high performance and executive leadership coach. Ladies and gentlemen, Please welcome our next speaker, Paul Kahn. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much, first of all, Gigi, for having me a part of this amazing panel. I think um, it's just been an incredible experience so far, just hearing everyone's story. And I think I, I want to acknowledge you for, for creating space for this, because not only does this get to be talked about, but the more we can put spotlight on the different stories and the traumas and, and, and how prevalent bullying is and what we can do in our part to eradicate it, the more powerful we are overall as a community to really bring bullying to an end. And it was really interesting. I speak on a lot of stages, but as, as I was preparing for this, I, I realized that it was, it was very challenging and it actually took me a while. And I really struggled with it and I couldn't figure out how and why until I came across a trailer on YouTube for dear Evan Hansen. And I found myself three and a half minutes later, completely bawling my eyes out, tears streaming down my face. And it really was then that I realized that even after two decades, how deep the cuts and the wounds and the traumas are of my experience with bullying that I had as a child. And 
that with bullying, even though we can leave the schools and we can leave the buildings and we can leave the work environments, that the effect that it has on us carries well beyond the experience, well beyond that time frame. And I think that part is incredibly important to recognize because bullying isn't a one-time effect. The effect that bullying has is for a lifetime. And until we stop and do something about it and give space for healing, it will continue to have its effect well beyond when it actually happened. And for myself, I can still remember just the, the, the experience of what it was like being in middle school at that time. I can still see the red lockers. I can still hear just the loud chatters around me and the laughing and the joking and the, and the yelling and, and screaming around me as, as kids all around me are going off to their classes. I can still hear that loud ring that signified the end of classes and, and the beginning of the next. And for myself, when I went through junior high, it was, or middle school, I'm from Canada, that's why I call it junior high, but it, it, it was already difficult enough as a teenager trying to go through puberty and trying to figure out who you are and where you stand in the world. And for me, I was in a space of really struggling to understand who I was. And the reason for that was because I was born into a girl's body. But what I didn't have words for at the time and what I didn't realize that I now know now was that I was a transgender man. And at that time, all I knew was that all the boxes and all the labels that were around me just didn't fit me in who I was. And I became prime target for the people around me. They didn't know what to do with me. And they, all they saw was this girl that kind of looked like a boy. And, they, and all they knew was that I was different and I was not like them. And I experienced people, all of a sudden friends that would stop talking to me, that would leave me and I would have no clue why. I was ostracized and I was rejected. And even though I was surrounded by people all around me, I felt completely alone. And I will never forget the experience of one of the girls that I thought was my friend. And she came up to me and looked me in the eye and she said, why don't you go put a bag over your head and go kill yourself? And I thought to myself, wow, there is somebody that hates me so much just for my very existence, just for me being who I am, that they had to go out of their way to tell me to kill myself and to get out of their vicinity and in their life and in their world. And for myself at that moment, at the age of 12 and 13, I thought to myself, why am I here? I didn't see a purpose for my existence. I didn't see why I was here in the world and, and what purpose I could possibly serve it and where my life could possibly go. And I became suicidal. I simply didn't see beyond what was happening to me at that moment, which I was alone and I was ostracized and I didn't see beyond the darkness around me. And if it wasn't for one of the moms of my friends that found one of my notes and made her tell her who wrote it, my mom would have never known what I was going through. And if it wasn't for one of my friends that stood up to one of the bullies and told them that if they don't stop, that they're going to go to the principal and have them expelled, that it started changing my experience of what school was. But even though after that, I wasn't in the same school and I went off to high school and I went off to university after, the effects of my experience in that time stayed long with long, long after that. I realized through that, I learned and I developed my own belief system that became my default, that I was unworthy, that I didn't matter, 
that I was enough, that all good things in my life would be taken away from me and that people in my life leave, that they never stay. And what I didn't realize was that that default system had me going into my adult years, constantly self-sabotaging my life to a point where I found myself working a six-figure job. I was living in a penthouse on the verge of separation with my wife, having no joy in my life, filled with anxiety every single day, that I finally realized that something had to drastically be done and that I would no longer be willing to put up with these beliefs that had been instilled in me that I didn't matter, that there was no purpose in my life and that I would never be able to amount to anything. And I went on a journey of deep self-work, of inner work to really realize at the very core of it that I just didn't love myself. And because I didn't love myself, I put a wall around me and I couldn't receive love from others and I couldn't love anyone in return. And it was the very first time in my life where I gave myself permission to be authentically me, to accept myself as who I am. And when I realized that when I was allowing myself to be authentically myself, that I also shed light on others and gave themselves, gave them permission to really own their voice and own their power. And so what my experience, my pain led me to was my purpose of what I do today. And the reason why I'm so incredibly passionate about standing for people being their full authentic selves and creating their best life full of joy, authenticity, and freedom. And throughout my journey in the past two years where as I've coached high performers from CEOs to Olympians and also supported teenagers all the way to 85-year-old grandmas, what I realized at the core of everybody finding their vision and breaking through the things that are in their way to get to their highest potential and to live their best life is that we all actually are the same. We all want the same things. We want freedom. We want freedom to be our full authentic selves and to use our voice and to be who we are without fearing for our lives and fearing that we, we aren't going to be able to survive. We all want to matter. We all want to be valued, seen, and heard. And at the very core of it, we want to feel like we belong, that we have a place in this world and that our very being is enough, enough to be a part of a bigger community that loves and accepts us. And that all starts by us taking a stand that bullying has to stop, not just has to stop, it stops here because it is not only becoming something that is talked about, it's becoming an epidemic. One in five adolescents have said that they have experienced bullying. And if you think of it from a Zoom screen, that's five people on every Zoom screen. And if you think, and within that, one in 20 adolescent children commit suicide every single year. If you think about that, that's two people on every Zoom screen as we have you know, all these different boxes of humans in front of us. And it was a little bit of a different screen right now. But when we look at that, this is becoming an epidemic because for so long, we've looked at it as something that passes. We've looked at it as something that just goes away and we look at it as a face, but it's not because it starts with us taking a stand and being a voice for when we see bullying happening, whether it's in the workplace or in schools, that we advocate and condemn the perpetrator in its spot that this does not get to happen and that it is not acceptable and it gets to stop. And we get to continue to use our voices to advocate for changes in how we handle bullying, both in the workplace and in schools. It's no longer okay to just deal with it and let it pass. We have to take a stand. And the more of us stand together, the more change becomes in the forefront of what actually gets to happen. And what I'll say at the very core of this is that if you are 
going through this right now, if you are someone who is experiencing bully wherever you're at, I want to let you know that you are seen, that you are heard, and you are valued, and that you matter, and that you have a purpose in this world, and your very being here, there's only you that can bring that purpose to life. Nobody else in this world can do that. And I want to let you know that it not only gets better, but your best life is ahead of you. And is more magnificent than what you can possibly imagine. Because if there's any doubt in your mind, I want to let you know that not only it can be possible, but yes, you definitely can. Thank you, Paul. Your best life is ahead of you. I love it. Yes, thank you, Paul, for sharing. I love your passion. Thank you so much. And we have two speakers left. I'm sorry. Muted. <laughs> we have two speakers left. I want to give a shout out to all our sponsors. Our first sponsor is Ragni Sinekis. She's the founder of World Women's Conference and Awards, Women Entrepreneurs TV, Changemakers Coach, and Public Speaker. Michael D. Butler, CEO of Beyond Publishing, Book Publisher, Global Speaker, Media Coach. Daniel Gomez, Keynote Speaker, Corporate Trainer, Executive Coach, Confidence Architect, and author, and Melanie Ake. She's a professional coaching and consulting and certified John Maxwell team leadership coach and speaker. And of course, yours truly, Dr. Lakeisha James. I am the CEO and founder of Design Events by Lakeisha, located in Georgia. Now, our next speaker, okay, could you tell me how to pronounce your name? Your name? Elis, maybe? Did I... <laughs> It's Elise Salamone. Elise Salamone. Elise Salamone. It's okay. It's okay. We haven't practiced this. And thank you for being patient because um, I had to step out for a little bit. Thank you for being here. So Elise Salamone, she's a business owner and speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Elise Salamone. Well, hello. Um, I'm going to keep this somewhat short, but I will tell you all that I come from a healthcare background. I'm a nurse practitioner by trade. And how bullying became an issue for me, it was, I wrote an article on LinkedIn about bullying. And it was an article that actually resonated with a lot of people. It got a lot of attention. Um, Because of that, it kind of started my speaking um, uh, profession per se. And, but here's the story, you know, as a young nurse, I've always been the only um, Hispanic um, in the room. And I was always extremely ambitious. And during my first couple of nursing jobs, um, I was continuing to finish my degree. And other nurses that I worked with were intimidated by that, I guess. And they were starting to find ways to poke at me and make me feel smaller than what I was. Um, Luckily for me, I got commissioned in the military and and had a wonderful 27 military career. And even though I had some bullying throughout my career there, it was very minimal. And um, and I was able to combat that. But what I want to say is this article uh, I posted on a Facebook page for other nurse practitioners because I felt it was something that continues to resonate through our throughout our profession our caring profession, yet we are like the worst to each other. And what happened was, was really interesting because on that Facebook page for nurse practitioners, what started happening was I was getting bullied in the comments. Why was I bringing this up? This isn't an issue anymore. You know, why don't you, why don't you concentrate on the positive of nursing? And I was like, you're doing exactly what I'm talking about in this article. Instead of being supportive, 
and understanding that this is a problem that we need to acknowledge as a profession and as women and as men in this in this healthcare field of caring professionals, we need to be kinder to each other. But it all comes from the top down. You have leadership and administrations that don't care and value the work that we do. And it all, excuse my French, but shit rolls downhill, right? So this is now the bullying issue. And then it goes down to, you know, the nurse practitioners, the nurses, the, um, the patients, um, you know, the, the nursing assistants, everybody. And it's really a critical issue, not just in nursing, but in healthcare in general. So what I have to say is that what I have done in my career is that when I am working in a hospital clinic environment, I become the cheerleader for anybody new that comes in because I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And I've never been a part of the problem. But I've also realized, just as many of the other speakers have spoken it, that people that bully are bullying because they are suffering from some anger or psychological issue on their own. It's not you. And it's not your duty to make them feel better or to help them figure out why they're bullying you. So stand up for yourself. Don't accept that bullying and surround yourself with the positive people that support you and your people, because we all have our people. You could be the greatest peach on the earth and there's gonna be somebody that doesn't like you for whatever reason. So my whole point of being here really is that as healthcare providers that the pandemic has decimated our healthcare system. I don't think people realize how critical and what crisis we are in, that if you're a nurse and you're in this space, don't be part of the problem. Do not be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. Support those young nurses that come in because we're losing nurses, not just because of the bullying, but because of the horrible work conditions that we're all suffering from. But one of the big things is, and I hear this especially um, for minority nurses, that we seem to get bullied a little bit more. I don't understand that. Don't be part of the problem. Be a part of the solution. Support those new nurses. No matter what, share your knowledge. It's okay. There's enough work for everyone. Don't. You, there's no need to be competitive in the nursing or in any profession because there's abundance for everyone. But in particularly for nursing, it seems like if there's somebody that's going to get their bachelor's or their nurse practitioner, all of a sudden somebody's intimidated by that. Why? You can do the same thing if you want. And if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But don't be nasty to somebody who's just trying to further themselves. It just doesn't make any damn sense. But anyways, that's what I have to say. If you're a nurse and you're in a nursing profession, be a part of the solution. Welcome those new nurses. Share your knowledge and uh, stop the bullying. It's be kind to each other. We all, we're all, we have all have more in common than not. And like the last speaker said, there is life that continues. Be kind to yourself and uh, be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. Thank you. Thank you, Elise. Thank you, Elise. Love your energy. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story. <laughs> Thank you for having Our me. Our last speaker for the evening. <laughs> Our last speaker for the evening is Dr. Sandra Rizzoli. Dr. Sandra Rizzoli, she has so many initials out of her name, guys. DNP, MSN, ED, RN, PMHNP. She's an author, number one patient nurse relationship and communication, keynote speaker and forensic nurse educator. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our last speaker, Dr. Sandra Rizzoli. It is an absolute pleasure, and thank you so much, Gigi and Dr. James, and to follow Elise. I am the founder and president of Nurses Against Violence, Unite, 
and we are sponsoring United Nurses March in Washington, D.C. We are putting an end to all of racism. We're putting an end to incivility, bullying. It is not okay, and it goes as a circle of violence. I am here today to tell you a little bit about my story, being bullied as an elementary school student and into middle school. The last time a boy smacked me, I punched him across some chairs. And, I, and I'm telling you, that was when I realized my mental strength, I had enough. Growing up homeless, rough backgrounds, wearing bobos on my feet. If you know what that means, is shoes from Kmart. I did the best that I could to keep my head up when everyone else pushed me down. I was made fun of. I had cattle calls because I was always overweight. Nobody ever stuck up for me but me. I know what it's like to feel abandoned by not only my mother at 16, at 16, but also seeing that abandonment happening in my profession. At 16 years old, I became a CNA helper. And that is when I fell in love with my passion. Here I am today, a ninth grade dropout, getting my GED, pushing myself to my limit because nobody was going to take that away from me. I was going to push myself. I was not going to be a victim, but I was going to be the victor of my circumstance. And I was going to pull up people that could not speak for themselves. I stand here as the president and founder of one of the biggest nursing organizations that cares about nurses, that cares about everybody that's in our profession that helps us with our jobs. We will be heard May 12th. And I would also like to say that I resonate with a lot of the speakers that were on here that were bullied at one time, knowing your mental strength, not necessarily your physical strength, but your mental strength to keep persevering to get to your next highest level. My, my credentials are nothing. Who I am as a person is everything. You could be anything that you want to be. Workplace violence it's a circle of violence. Once you're abused, you have the highest opportunity to be the abuser. And it is absolutely paramount that you break that cycle. And by breaking that cycle, you have a support system. With Nurses Against Violence Unite, we have a free um, a group support. It is workplace violence. Um, I can't, Nurses Against Violence, uh, workplace violence support group. It is free on Facebook. And if you ever need to find anything about me, you can also go on nursesagainstviolence.org. I want to tell you, each and every one of you has the strength. You have the strength of a million lions. It is up to you. It is up to you to be hungry and go after what you want. Because that is what we are put on this earth to do, is to change everything. To, to make people, empower people, and stick up for one the people that don't have a voice. And if you find somebody bullying, being bullied, stand there and say, that is enough. That is not okay. It stops here. I wanna thank you for this opportunity to have me on this wonderful panel. And I'm so sorry, I'm a little passionate about this topic, but I want you to know that we can all do this and we've all made it here, but we also have children that are being raised by broken people and we need to lift them up. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Rizzoldi. Thank you for your passion. Definitely appreciate it. 
Okay, speakers, this concludes our event. We're going to have some closing remarks by our host, Gigi Sabat, and then, of course, player, um, player, prayer by me. Thank you. First and foremost, I want to say thank you to our speakers and our sponsors of this event. I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Now, for those who are listening in, you heard from each of the speakers today and, and what they've overcome in regards to bullying and understand that you can overcome bullying as well, and you are not alone. Each and every one of us stand with you. We stand with you. I repeat, you are not alone and never give up. Never give up. Hold on to faith and hold on to God. And, and here's the thing in regards to bullying. Bullying can happen to anyone. Bullying can happen to men or and women. And it can also happen to any age group. It can happen in any industry. It can happen in the education system. It can happen in any work industry. It can happen anywhere. And so it does not discriminate. And we have to be aware of that. And we have to continue to raise awareness and educate others about bullying. And it starts with us as expert leaders in our community to do so. And so if you're listening to this message today, again, I, I remind you that you're not alone. So many folks, they, they turn to violence or they want to end their lives because of bullying. But if they just knew that they weren't alone and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, things would be different. Things would be different. And as Mahatma Gandhi says, be the change you wish to see in the world. And by being here today, you all are truly that change. So thank you to each and every one of you. Are you here, please? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you, Father, for this day that you have, that you've made a word, slid and rejoicing in it. We thank you, Father, for each and every speaker that represented this platform tonight. We thank you for the ones that don't know how to share their story yet, Father. We thank you right now for what you're doing, Father. We thank you for continued strength, encouragement, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, as we always say, our story is not for us, it's always for somebody else. So we thank you right now for choosing us, Father, to live through this journey, Father, that you've given us. So we we can share our voice because we are the voice for the voiceless ones. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing on this day, Father. We ask for many blessings. We ask you continue support and strength to these individuals as they embark, Father. And we thank you for each and every person that's attached to each and every person on this screen on today, Father. And we thank you right now for the host, Regaline Gigi Sabat, Father. We thank you for continuously giving her topics to discuss and bringing people together to discuss the topics no one wants to talk about. We ask you, Father, to continue to bless her, Father, and enlarge her territory. And every Everybody that's on this platform, Father, we thank you for them. We thank you for their life. We thank you for a continuous blessings and journey. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. God bless you and be safe. And remember to take a stand and continue to raise awareness about bullying. God bless.